Hello, this is your host, Brian Wade speaking. I just wanted to pop in real quick to mention a couple little things I forgot to bring up in the episode. First of all, I want to thank DJ AG for the use of our theme song, which is a remix of John Williams' Binary Sunset. You can find DJ AG on YouTube or soundcloud.com slash DJAG-4. Uh, secondly, I'm learning all this audio editing stuff on the fly, so please bear with me if a few bits are slightly less than ideal. Uh, I think I did a pretty good job, but I'm sure all of this will get better experience. Uh, that's all. Uh, thanks for checking out the podcast, and on with the show. Welcome to Expanded Universe. This is a new podcast that I'm starting. This is a sort of a pilot episode, um, so bear with me and please give me all the feedback that you want about uh, the just the basic basic uh, format of the podcast because uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm pretty new to this and this is a uh, this is an adventure that I thought I would like to take some of my friends on. Um, so today I've invited Jeremy Greer to join me. Say hello, Jeremy. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Brian. Uh, <laughs> you actually uh, uh, you actually have not introduced yourself yet, so you might. That's want to true. I haven't introduced myself. I always introduce my guests first. Uh, I am Brian Wade. Uh, you know me from <laughs> from things uh, such as the Duckfeed Slack and Twitter dot com and Dark Insight occasionally. That's true. Accurate. <laughs> so uh, so basically, what this podcast is going to be is I'm going to pick a Star Wars book from the expanded universe, uh, hence the t- the title of the title of the podcast. Uh, every month we're going to read that book and we're going to talk about it. And I invited Jeremy and I'm going to try to do this in the future, but it's not, I'm not, this isn't a hard and fast rule. Uh, but I'm going to try to invite people who have never read anything from the expanded universe before to join me. Because you are convinced that if they read these books once, they will never read any other books again. <laughs> Correct. to turn them off completely. Just to the I just figured this was the way, <laughs> yeah, this was the way to stop people from reading because I think it's a terrible <laughs> hobby. They should only play video games. That's all they should do. It, very true. Uh, so I am legitimately like a big fan of these books. Um, we will obviously get into more of that, more of this uh, throughout the episode. But I do, I do have you know some issues that I may not have had when I was a younger person reading them, and just being the biggest Star Wars nerd that you could you would ever know. I, I was actually going to ask you that because um, you know. 13-year-old Jeremy was reading books that, you know, 36-year-old Jeremy now is like, eh, probably not going to go back to that. Um, not that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, like, what was your age group when you started reading The Expanded Universe? Because this book came out in 91. There was stuff before and stuff since. Like, when did you start picking these up? Uh, I was probably around the age of 10, I would guess, when I started reading them. It was it was right around the time that I started watching Star Wars, you know, okay. regularly, which I was born in 1988, and the... Um, the special editions came out in 1997, so that was sort of my first experience with Star Wars. So I was like, you know, I was right in the right age range okay, cool. for those movies to come out and just really hit me. So I have been a huge Star Wars dork, dork basically my whole life. And, you know, it kind of comes and goes throughout the throughout the years, but especially with the uh, the advent of the new movies that are coming out now and, like, 
just the world in general, like getting more into Star Wars, it's like it's kind of like galvanized me to go back and and enjoy the things that I liked uh, back then again. Cool, um, because and we'll, we'll get into this more. But reading this now, um, I can definitely see if I would have been young enough during my kind of Star Wars time when I was a kid that I would have probably been all about these. And I'm not real sure how I missed these books because I was reading like the dorkiest stuff imaginable, like already, like I was, I was into books, but like, just like with Dungeons and Dragons, I just somehow missed out on all of these like extra Star Wars stuff. Like I, I didn't read comics. I didn't do anything. So this whole thing yeah, was, the, was, was wide, was completely new to me. Yeah. Some of the, uh, the, the dark horse comic books are even actually, I, I quite like those as well. Um, I mean, you probably use the word good a lot in this podcast when I talk about things that I like about uh, Star Wars. I should probably, you should probably know that when I say good, I mean that I like it, uh, but it is hard for me to differentiate those things when it's Star Wars. <laughs> Other things I'm a little more, I'm a little more critical about, and I, I do think I'm more critical about Star Wars now than I used to be, mm-hmm. but this is definitely a thing where I am probably going to be very excitable about some dumb little things. Well, good. I'm 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 kind of excited to get your perspective on this because, um, as the the first book and what you have told me, this is pretty much considered to be like the book uh, of the expanded universe. This this left me pretty cold. Like I I actually finished it up this morning uh, because we delayed this a couple of times and I had extra time, so I took my time with it. And, um, yeah, I uh, it, it doesn't even really end, Brian. It just yeah, it that, just is, that is very true. I will <laughs> and I will agree with that. The, the ending. <laughs> The ending of this book is pretty horrible. <laughs> I, uh, I and as a child, you know, this book had oh the whole trilogy had come out. So we're we're reading. Uh, I think we've we haven't even introduced the book that we're reading. We're very um, amateurish about this whole. Thing, <laughs> we're very amateurish about this whole thing. Uh, we were reading Heir to the Empire, which was uh, the first book of the what is now known as the Thrawn trilogy, written by Timothy Zahn, who is widely considered like the best Star Wars expanded universe author. Uh, or one of the best at the very least. Uh, and it was published, as Jeremy said, in 1991 by Bantam Spectra. And it is not actually the first book that was written in the Expanded Universe, but it is kind of widely considered to have kicked off the quote-unquote modern Expanded Universe. Okay. Which, now now that is called Legends. I don't know if you noticed on your Kindle app that like it had a big Legends banner on the cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what that is is that when Disney bought Star Wars and realigned the canon uh they made all of the stuff before 2014 rebranded under this legends brand so it's not so it is technically canon although things that happen in the new movies are can be based on this there's they're just not going to um shackle themselves to what what looks like about 50 books worth of continuity so that they (laughs) have to deal with all that stuff in the movies uh correct because that would be insane um and i I was a little disappointed, of course, as a big fan of the EU, that they uh, made all of this non-canon, but at the same time, I totally understood where it was coming from, uh, because the continuity of of all of these books got really insane, like, where there was basically no more space to write a story between, like, the end of Return of the Jedi and, like, 50 years after that, I think, was... <laughs> was about where they got to <laughs> sure because this picks up right after return right like this book does I, 
and it picks up five years after Return of the Jedi. Five years after Return, which isn't yeah. a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the New Republic is starting to be, uh, t- starting to settle into being like the governing body, but they are not fully there yet. The Empire is still hanging around. They're still just called the Empire. It's not like in The Force Awakens where they're called the First Order mm-hmm. because it's a new organization. It is still the Empire. So, um, because I'm I'm new to the expanded universe, and conceivably there could be at least one person out there that doesn't really know exactly how things ended at re- after Return of the Jedi. Like at that point, if I'm remembering right from the movies, like they pretty much dismantled the entire Empire. Uh, Vader is dead. Like all of the Jedi except Luke with him, and that's pretty much it, right? Like the the rebellion has won, and they're going to become the New Republic, and everybody's happy, and there's a big celebration. Yeah, more or less. That is that is that is how uh, Return of the Jedi ends um, with the the good guys having won the day. Uh, The Emperor is dead. Vader has died as well after his return to the light side. And there's a big celebration on the Forest Moon of Endor, and uh, presumably from then on, it leads to the uh, the generation of the New Republic. Okay, I just want to make sure because. As much as I like Star Wars, I don't. I have not obsessively watched the movies. I don't watch any of the TV shows, um, and I've only like the re- most recent movies. I've only watched them like maybe a couple of times. Um, yeah. So um, I, have, I do. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I do. At some point, would I would like to uh, do the the Jindy Tartakovsky uh, Clone Wars cartoon for this if I get to that point because that cartoon was very cool. I've heard I've heard enough good things about that that I've kind of wanted to go back and see that, but I don't. The last time I looked, like it wasn't on Netflix or anything, so it wasn't like a real easy watch for me. So. Yeah, it's it's it was it was a weird thing where like it's sort of like even in its time it was kind of considered not canon because it came out and almost immediately then the 3D cartoon came out and kind of like replaced it in canon. Oh, uh, that must be where I'm getting confused at. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, so uh, do we do we just want to start talking about this book? Let's get into it. Chapter one. Um. <laughs> chapter one. <laughs> oh, we're just going to do a do chapter, by chapter, by chapter by chapter breakdown. Chapter by chapter Let's just actually we're just going to read the book to you. Yeah, this is uh, an that audio seems book. like the best yeah. idea. Yeah. I get to be Luke. You're going to be everybody all right. else. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll be Han Solo and Chewie and all my other favorites. Absolutely. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> so the book starts off, and this is a this is a little little interesting little factoid about uh, Timothy Zahn is that all of his books that he wrote in the uh, original trilogy era and beyond, uh, he started all of them with a star destroyer uh, in space. Okay, which you know of of course this is how Episode Four starts with the star destroyer in space. Um, so that that is like an interesting thing that he just like kind of kept that so. You start off the the book. You're going to meet a, a few uh, few Imperial agents, um, and so first of all, we meet uh, Admiral Pal- or Captain Palaon. Sorry, he's not an admiral yet. Uh, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers for several books down the line. Um, I, I I forgot that I was going to make you say all of these names, so I said Palaon, but I'm going to make you say the rest of them, Jeremy. Okay. Um, um, but he, we're uh, we, we we meet Captain Palaon, and he is like just basically the like the quintessential like imperial officer he is like a born and bred military man and he is the captain of the uh of the star destroyer chimera uh which i can say because that's a real word okay um <laughs> and so he's uh he's he, he's he's having some frustrations with his uh with his um 
squadron aboard the Chimera and how inexperienced they are. Uh, so he decides to go talk to uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, which I think Correct. I'm saying correctly. You are you are indeed <laughs> saying that correctly. Uh, honestly, like not. I don't even know if half of these are that we say are going to be correct. Of course. Nobody um, does because they're written in a book and nobody bothers to pronounce the stuff out loud before they write it down. Uh, the, the, and there's a very funny uh, quote that I put in the notes later on that I'm going to that, that I'm gonna read that you'll enjoy um, if you didn't pick up on it. Uh, so he decides to go talk to Grand Admiral Thrawn. And so we're introduced to Thrawn. Um, and he is... Uh, <laughs> he is more or less like a Gary Stu. Um... And I don't know how quickly you picked up on this, Jeremy, uh, but definitely in this reread, I was like immediately like just, I, I could just feel it like where just like Timothy Zahn just loved writing Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh yeah. He has a, he has a, I don't, I don't know exactly how uh, racy you want to get on this podcast, but the dude has. <laughs> oh, we can get very racy. It's okay. okay. <laughs> the dude has a big Star Wars boner for this dude. Like he's got red eyes. He's super smart. He's super, you know, he's super tactical. He can kind of, he's not psychic, but he, he, he's so observant that he can kind of predict what's about to happen to various things, which is which one he of does issues. multiple times yeah, throughout, throughout, the book. <laughs> throughout this book. He's just always like, and yeah. throughout the series. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure this doesn't die down at all. Uh, and then he does this thing where uh, his, I guess the place where he chills, like his his throng cave, if you will. Uh, <laughs> Which just, is hilarious because it's a, a copy of the bridge. Like, just hang out on the bridge, dude. <laughs> I mean, I don't. It's like the bridge without any dudes in it. Which I mean, you could just order all the dudes away. Like you're the you're the throng. right. You're, you're the great admiral. Like you can do what you want. Um, but he hangs out with all of these like holographic projections of other species art. And uh, I guess the the, applic- the the thought here is that, and I think he even says this at one point um, that he, he can only that you learn a lot about a species through their art. And it's implied in a couple of times, like throughout this book, that like he's his study of a species art helps him tactically in, in battle, which is, I, I guess, cool. I, I, <laughs> the way it's applied I mean, towards it's, the end of the book is kind of ridiculous, but like whatever. It's not even so much as implied as it is like directly said. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So so this is just one of the many many things about Thrawn that is just like he is just like a, the perfect. Uh, the perfect uh, person uh, in just about every way. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to keep using the term Gary Stu, but, like, for example, he is, uh, they don't name it in this book, but he is a species of alien called Chiss. Okay. I was um, actually, that, that, actually going to ask you what he was because I was curious. Yeah, because I, I, I don't remember if they name it in the second book or if that's not until later on that they actually give his race a name. Um, but he is... Uh, the only non-human to have ever attained the rank of Grand Admiral uh, in the Empire. Okay. Uh, because as 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 you as you can kind of pick up from the movies, but this is definitely like a little more expounded in in the EU. Uh, the Emperor is pretty much like a space racist, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just hates everybody that isn't a white dude. Um, hence, why the stormtroopers wear white armor. And then <clears throat> I promise I'll let you. We'll, we'll, we'll progress through these chapters pretty quickly. But while we're setting up, like kind of the, the beginning of this, what does the Empire do? Because as far as I can tell, it's only to either kill the Jedi or to you know grind the rebellion into dust or whatever. Like they don't seem to have any other plans or motivations besides that. Like Thrawn's thing isn't to grow the Empire; it's literally to kill the rebellion. <laughs> like I don't think they have a well, phase two. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you, you, you're you're saying this like probably without thinking about it, but you keep calling them the rebellion, uh, and that is a thing that Thrawn does, where he refuses to call the New Republic the New Republic. He calls them the rebellion because he still thinks that uh, the Empire is is the power in the galaxy. It's not like he th- that that's just like how he how he operates. It's not like he's like under a delusion, mm-hmm. but he is. He is operating from the assumption that he is still like you know might makes right like he is he he is part of the powerful empire and they will win in the end because they're the powerful empire. Yeah, but what 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 does the empire want? That's what I've never really understood. Besides, like stormtroopers, like they probably want more stormtroopers. Like I've never ever understood like why the empire is doing its thing. Like it. They don't seem to have any other motivation besides blowing up the New Republic or blowing up the Rebellion or killing Jedi. Like, that's that seems to be their only thing. I mean, they're more or less like space Nazis, right? Like, I mean, they're just they're just there to control the galaxy. Like, that is that is what Palpatine's big thing was throughout the throughout the whole series was that he wants to be in control of everyone. Just gotta give me something. I mean, I guess I'm giving I'm giving you everything, man. Like that is that, I didn't mean you. I meant, is, the, I meant the, like the, this universe. Like I've never really gotten it. And I've never gotten on board with the Empire, except as a villain. Like they're the perfect like foil or whatever. Like I get into that. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm stealing this joke from Twitter, but like it is a morality test for six year olds. <laughs> yeah, that some people are apparently failing nowadays. So some good people job. are apparently failing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this 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 chapter is I think is really really good. Uh, I actually was into this at the start because having again my only experience with Star Wars is a maybe a handful of games that are basically on, based on the movies and then the movies. Right. Um, like just setting this up from the Empire's perspective was really fun and interesting. Like this was like the like there's a point where uh, Paleon, Captain Paleon or Pelion or yeah. whatever you want to call him. Um, he's kind of worried about Thrawn's reaction because he's been in the Empire for he's been a part of the Imperial Army for so long. Like he's used to Vader freaking out or the Empire or the Emperor freaking out or something. But Thrawn like kind of doesn't do that. He's just chill about everything, which is kind of a neat twist. Like that was interesting. Yeah, and it, when when later on when he does actually punish someone, it really like it it really sets the tone because you see how he is not uh, a super emotional guy. So when he does actually have an emotional reaction and punish someone like it's really it's much more effective exactly uh for what it's worth and then they just start using a bunch of words that don't mean anything like the one, <laughs> one thing that i have highlighted in this chapter is um a, a sentence that says who knew what thrawn used ruck and his fellow nogiri for and like i highlighted this specifically to ask you what is a rook and what is no gear like what are these words <laughs> these don't mean anything and the implication well, is like rook is a proper noun is a dude who is a nagiri which is a, an a but like am i supposed to know this going into these books or is this all like new stuff no this okay. this is all new stuff like this uh the, the nogiri were the other like uh alien race that were introduced by the thrawn trilogy um and rook or rook however you want to pronounce it is um is basically just thrawn's personal bodyguard and they uh, you learn later in the book, like where that they were, um, they they were basically just like a people living on a planet, and they and there was a space battle over their planet um, between the rebellion and the empire uh, that led to a lot of devastation on their planet. And Vader came in after the battle and kind of rescued them. Yeah. Uh, so they are more or less just like a secret, uh, secret military force for the empire. But yeah, I'm 
as of right now, like I'm, I'm, I'm into this book. Like this is, yeah. this, um, this is, this was a, this was a good opener. Is what I'm saying. You're, you're into it right until the next chapter, which we will move on. to. Chapter two uh, is where I, it, you, it immediately um, loses me. <laughs> yeah, we, we we do want to point out quick that uh, that the New Republic, a, a small task force of the New Republic, does show up um, based on something that I don't remember, but was pretty stupid. Um, and th- this is the first time of Thrawn using his like his understanding of a species through their art uh, to destroy uh, an opposing force because the opposing force, like the, the squad leader is like an Elo man or something like that, which is another alien race that they just introduced in, um, in this book. Uh, actually, I think there might be other element in the movies, but I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, but he, he basically runs a tactic that he knows that the element can't respond to properly uh, because he studied their arts for some reason. <laughs> sure, yeah, it's, it's really dumb because he's thorough. Yeah, and yeah, he blows the the hell out of this uh, New Republic ship. And yeah, then they, so and he, then they head you know, he, to Merker, Miker. Uh, yeah, Merker, Mirker. Uh, he he talks about how he has uh, picked up some some piece of the puzzle uh, that he then explains to uh, to Peleon, who doesn't understand what he's talking about when he's talking about the pieces of the puzzle. Uh, he he gives this quote, which uh, you can read if you want, Jeremy. Why the only puzzle worth solving, of course, the complete, total, and utter destruction of the rebellion. So you were asking me what the goal of the empire was. I mean, there you go. That he said it right there in chapter well, one. I, I was I was asking what besides <laughs> the complete, total, and utter destruction of the rebellion. Like, do they have like a education program? Like, is there what's their health care like? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> we should get into it, that. At some it's point. actually probably pretty good, right? Like, because. Yeah. Anyway, I mean it's it's really good for like white dudes. Exactly. That's what I was. Yeah. So you know us. So this next chapter is when we go to uh, Luke being kind of distressed over. Um, I don't know. He just has general ennui. It seems like. Yeah. He's uh, he's just like generally depressed, and he's yeah. not really sure what about. Um, and it just I don't know what it is. This is literally the first time that I've read anything w- with Luke in media that wasn't. Um, the movies or like or like that super nintendo game or whatever like the side scrolling games but yeah sure this was so weird and this and it, it took me probably a good like eight chapters to not be weirded out just about reading luke and leia like it's just so it's so weird for me i don't know i, I, I can't i don't want to keep using the word weird but like it was almost off-putting to an extent um like i, I don't necessarily have a problem with luke uh my, my wife has a huge problem with luke she's, she's convinced <laughs> that the only good star wars movies are the one without luke skywalker in them uh which there's only two so <laughs> good on her uh I, but it's there's something just like off-putting about reading about these characters and i know that sounds probably sounds dumb to people who have read a lot of these books and it may sound dumb to you i just like that's that was my immediate like visceral reaction to this yeah no and it, it, it kind of makes a sense where you're just like you're so used to watching this character that then to go and read them uh can definitely be a little weird i would imagine because you're also like you're not just like you're you're reading timothy zahn's characterization of luke which to be fair like i think he writes the big three like really well like he writes them like they would be you know as as if they were you know still still acting in movies at this time i I don't know man like i I guess we have to wait to get to it but i never saw luke like force invading his sister's womb in the movies like that's not a thing that (laughs) i remember maybe that was in a deleted scene i I don't know (laughs) Uh, we, we we can get to that right now um okay but 
let's uh, let's let's uh, let's touch this this really dumb uh, Obi Wan quote first. <sighs> Sure. Because uh, I really, really hate this. It's so bad. Um, he uh, so he's Luke is just like hanging out on a rooftop and he's generally depressed. Uh, and Obi Wan's Force Ghost shows up, which you know, like the implication being that the Force Ghosts hang around, which is fine. That's whatever. Uh, but he talks to he talks to Obi Wan for a minute. Obi Wan's basically just telling him, "Hey, I'm just coming to tell you goodbye." Uh, because I can no longer be a force ghost for some reason. Um, apparently, five, apparently five years is the time limit. Uh, Gotta so, go. So then, then there's this really dumb quote. Uh, Obi-Wan says to Luke, I loved you as a son and, a, and as a student and as a friend. Until we meet again, may the force be with you. Oof. It is so bad, Jeremy. This is, this is not great. Um, I don't I don't know why like that stood out to me so much but I just hate it. It is well, terrible. It's it's bad and it's it's one of these things where they obviously they they wanted to have like all of the connections they possibly could to Star Wars. Like not only is Luke and Leia and Han Solo and Chewbacca in this, but like they go to all of the planets that you would expect to see in a Star Wars movie. Like they're name checking stuff and like Obi-Wan showing up just seems like a check off on that list, right? Like, okay, yeah. we don't want him showing up constantly. Like, we don't want our Deus Ex Obi-Wan or anything, but like, we, could, we at least have to have him in the book at the first time. And I think that's what makes it feel so out of place. Yeah, because it's just like, it's honestly just like, it is so like one off. It is just that, and then that's it, and then it, n- it never even gets brought up again. Yeah, and and then the next scene, and I, I mentioned this just a minute ago, but like Luke being all depressed and like kind of worrying about Leia, who has is strong with the Force and is now pregnant with twins via Han Solo, um, Orlando. Because of course she or, is Orlando. We don't know. You don't know what it went. Yeah, well, yeah I, I guess we. I guess we don't know, but we do know. <laughs> um, and like like uses the Force to like. In, like com- not communicate with but like check on her unborn babies which is just the most invasive use of the force that I've ever seen there's a there's a moment later in this in this series where uh Luke is doing something and he's like pretending like he's he's pulling a trick or something like he's pretending to be someone he's not and he thinks to himself I wonder if this is the kind of behavior that a Jedi would, would an actually trained Jedi would do like right he's, he's thinking about how like he, I wonder if this is a thing like a dark Jedi does yeah and like it's he like never the thing a dark Jedi does is touch their sister's womb yeah <laughs> that's not good <laughs> that should set off a flag like if Yoda was here right like if Yoda was here he would not be cool with this no definitely not um, and you, you have a note in here that Luke is drinking hot chocolate, which is he, it's weirdly hilarious to me that like he got some hot chocolate and took it up to the balcony to like slit his wrist and listen to the crow soundtrack or whatever he was doing. <laughs> yeah, like uh, C three PO comes up to check on him because Leia sent him up there after she felt him his distress through the Force, uh, which is when it's revealed that Luke is drinking hot chocolate, uh, which he got from Lando for some reason. So for some reason, Lando just knows how to make hot chocolate, and that's and, and only. Lando too, like that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it it's kind of implied that no one else had ever heard of this drink until Lando found it. I, man, this this book, I swear, it's it's fine, <laughs> but man, this book. Um, yeah, there's get, some real dumb stuff in it. We get a really that's why confusing we're doing this podcast scene with Leah, Leah, uh, Leah, and this person Winter. Um, which it, I'm glad you noted it down. Like I thought Winter was going to be throughout the rest of this book with the way that she was written here, but I think she only very briefly shows up towards the end, and that's it. 
Yeah, she like she talks to Leia here, and then she like calls Han later on, and that's yeah. about it. Um, meanwhile, Han Solo is back on Mos Eisley, which you might remember from such films as Star Wars. Uh, yeah, and now the, he's the, like the Mos Eisley Cantina, which is where of he course. is. Yeah, and like this whole scene is like so. It's, it's like. I'm not going to keep saying weird. I promise, because I don't. I don't think <laughs> weird is, is the word that I'm looking for. But um, this whole thing reads like fan fiction to me, and I don't read a lot of fan fiction. But like that's what it. That's really what it feels like to me. So, and no offense to uh, what's his name Tron here, Zahn. Excuse me, uh, Zimothy. Jeez, I can't talk to Zimothy Tom. Yes, Zimothy Tom. Yes. Uh, no offense <laughs> to him. Like I, I realize this isn't technically <clears throat> fan fiction, but like the line between that those two things are pretty thin and all of these characters at various points throughout this book saying like, I have a bad feeling about this. Like it's just, it feels so, if not fan fiction, then it feels like fan service, like in kind of a, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, Mm -hmm. there's definitely a level of fan service in this book. And I think that honestly, like I, I can't say this for certain, but because it's been so long since I've actually gone through a bunch of the books, but I'm guessing that it probably like this, like kind of like slopes off a little bit as they write more and more books. Uh, because, like, as we talked about, like, this is this is it. Like, this is the beginning. Yeah. Like, the Thrawn trilogy uh, was generally considered by fans of the EU as episode 7, 8, and 9. Okay. Okay. Originally. So. Interesting. Um, I'm guessing that, based on my recollection, that kind, of, that kind of, like, dies off a little bit, where it's not, like, just name-checking a bunch of places constantly. Um. And this is where this is where Han Solo meets. The, like he's he's trying to get uh, he's trying to hire smugglers that don't trust him anymore because he's you know gone official. He's working for the the G Man. Uh, right. And this, and this is the first time we hear the words uh, Talon Card. Uh, Talon Card. Talon Card. Talon, I, I've always said Talon. Talon. Talon is a real word. So we'll go Talon Card Day. It's not? it's definitely Card because his ship's name is the Wild Card. <laughs> Are you sure it's not Wild Card Day? Because that hey, sounds I guess pretty it could fun. Be wild card Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but since Jabba died, like this dude is the guy that's in, like that's the you know point man smuggler. Like he's the big smuggler that's taking all the business. Yeah, more or less. And he'll be like our kind of third faction throughout this book. Like he's he's kind of the he's independent from the Empire. He's independent from the New Republic slash Rebellion. Like he's trying to just make his own smuggler way in this world. Yeah, and he uh, he's he gets thrown into events kind of outside of his control, uh, but makes the most of those generally and, and talon card is actually sort of maybe my favorite character in this book okay i can see uh, that yeah just just because like he is like you know like he, he's got the most interesting motivations he's he's easily the most interesting character outside of the like obvious like fan service characters right like right he's not, like he's he's definitely the most interesting new character it, yeah yeah and he's not like quite the you know written badass that Thrawn is. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so yeah, so he, uh, Han talks to the smuggler and tries to get, uh, tries to get him to agree to, to run some cargo because basically what he's doing is he's, uh, the New Republic doesn't have enough ships to run cargo, so he's trying to hire smugglers to just run cargo legit. Uh, but, uh, he decides, that the smuggler, Dravis, decides not to do it because, uh, he's got more important things to do and he doesn't really trust Han. Um, so that's when the whole Talon card thing comes up, comes up mm-hmm. and then smash cut, we get to meet Talon. Yeah. Which is fine. He seems pretty interesting here. He's got like some dog like creatures that are named 
Vornskers. And, uh, Vornskers, yeah, that's Vernskers. what we call them. Yeah, listen, and then, uh, <laughs> he's named them Sturm and Drong, which is like... <laughs> It's a German literary movement. I was about to say, like, did this dude just like look up German words for dogs and like, I don't know, Google was around in 91, actually, right? Like, you could I, probably. I, 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 I pulled up uh, Wikipedia uh, with Sturmundrang, uh, German storm and stress, German literary movement of the late 18th century that exalted nature, feeling, and human individualism and sought to overthrow the enlightened cult of rationalism. Sure. Yeah, that sounds like so, good names for a dog. I just, I, I, I just think that is very funny. They <laughs> he named his dog Sturm und Drang. Sturm und Drang. Which I mean, I guess, like on some level, like there is a, uh, there is a, a mild, you know, German connection to, uh, to Star Wars. What with you know Darth Vader being dark, the Dark Father. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so so you meet you meet Talon and his Vornskers, and then you also meet Mara Jade, uh, who is uh, the other the, the other major new character that is introduced in this book. And like, yo, you want to talk about Mary Sue's like red hair, green eyes, like they they don't. I, I was grateful that they don't spend a lot of time talking about her body in this, but like she's kind of implied to be uh, very attractive. But again, yes. red hair, green eyes. She's um, extremely talented. Like she can fly anything. She's she's super super talented. She and can use the force. She can use the force, and she's like which I don't think they ever explicitly say in this book. But no. like she definitely can. She becomes a Jedi later. Um, and she she like is really really mad about basically everything in her life and uh reacts, she's, she's a very angry person in this book and uh reacts very very strongly to any kind of mention of luke skywalker or darth vader or emperor palpatine like you can tell she's just pissed um, yeah and they don't reveal why that is for a long time yeah and, and she definitely definitely wants to kill luke skywalker yeah she she super super duper wants to kill luke uh um, and uh card is like trying to figure out why that is for most of the book because she hasn't told him and in the meantime card is selling these <laughs> y- yasalamiri uh which this is brand new too right like none of this has ever been yes thing before. this is yeah this is yeah. all brand new so these are our green little plot devices um that basically cancel out force like, yeah they are they're basically these little lizards that live on trees and um they basically the the Vornskers, uh, they reveal later on are mildly force sensitive as well. Like they can they can feel the force in other beings, um, and so they would hunt the Yasalamiri on Mirker, uh, which is where Talon and Talon and company are. Um, and because of that, the Yasalamiri evolved to basically like push the force away from themselves. So they have like basically a force bubble around themselves, so that the Vornskers can't sense them through the force sure but but which also has the side effect of jedi also can't use the force when the Yasalamiri are, are around yeah which is probably a good thing to have if you are battling jedi um I, these little things come up several times throughout the book and like it's always like we need to get more of them we need to have some around luke can't feel his powers because they're around <laughs> and like it's very very much um like in the X-Men, they when they go to Genosha, they have these, like, uh, collars that they put on the mutants that cancel out their X-Men powers. And it's exactly like that. Like, anytime they want Wolverine to not have a healing factor, like, here comes the collar. Anytime right. they want Luke not to have his powers, like, here comes a lizard. Like, it's just... Yeah, anytime <laughs> they want Luke to not have his powers, here comes he's in a forest full of Yasala Mary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, yeah, like... <laughs> 
I guess now the Empire is headed to this totally separate place that Thrawn refers to as the second puzzle piece and is made up of like this and like it's 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 made to be incredibly important and I know that it probably is because again this book didn't doesn't end it just has it's to not be that continued yeah <laughs> oh it's not no not really oh oh awesome uh, okay. it's, because, it's really just like the, the 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 stuff that he gets here is what's important yeah so he's got like one piece of and they do so much foreshadowing in this book Brian like one piece of oh my god technology like it's it's very heavy handed foreshadowing <laughs> yeah I mean it's stamped with remember this over and over again. <laughs> Yeah, more or less. So, so, so yeah, they uh, they they head to Wayland, which is another planet, um, and they land on the planet and they get into a scuffle with the with these locals on the planet who are all just like basically like cavemen, more or less. They're like slightly more evolved cavemen uh, to the point where they're like shooting at Thrawn with like bows and arrows and stuff. Um, sure. So, so they get into this little scuffle. Uh, Thrawn makes Thrawn orders Rook to just destroy one of their buildings, which is pretty brutal. Yeah, and uh, this dude like, they like, meet. So, Go ahead. The, the, so, so like one of the scuffles like shoots him with an arrow and like grazes his shoulder or something. And in retaliation, he destroys one of their buildings and kills everyone inside it. Good, good, good job. Pretty, I guess pretty, you know, pretty cool. Empire gonna empire, right? Yeah, <laughs> got to do what you got to do. This guy they meet, uh, whose name is Joris Kaboth. Yeah, more or less. Kabate. I that's that's Sabouth Kabouth. I'm not really sure. Okay. I've never heard that uh, one said out loud. He uh, he immediately tries to kill these dudes using force lightning. Yeah, just just instantly, just as soon as he gets them alone, it's just like, all right, well, I'm going to force lightning you now. And there's this extended debate about Thrawn wanting what's inside the mountain and Joris not really wanting to let him inside. And like, there's this, all of this pontificating about power and what do you want and all of this stuff. And finally Thrawn says, well, what you really probably want is more Jedi and I can get you Luke Skywalker, his sister, and who is also strong with the force and his, and the sister's two twins. And that's what gets Joris into it. He's like, hell yeah, I want more Jedi. Yeah. So that I just, can just basically as soon as Thrawn brings up the fact that there are Jedi that he can have, he's just like, oh hell yeah, I'm in. And then, very casually, <laughs> very, very casually, very casually at the end of this, the end of this chapter, Thrawn just mentions like, "Hey, by the way," and he's telling um, our Captain P, whose name I've already yep. forgotten, uh, he's telling him like, "Oh yeah, this isn't the real one. This is a clone that went fucking crazy. So they've isolated right. him to this planet, which." At this time, like, did people just know there were going to be Clone Wars? Like, had Lucas, like, said the word Clone Wars out loud or the, whatever? Yeah, the, the Clone Wars, I mean, the Clone Wars is mentioned in a, in in the original Star Wars film. Oh, okay. I didn't, uh, I did not know that. You know, I was, your, your father was once a Jedi and that fought in the Clone Wars, blah, 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 that Obi-Wan says in, when he's talking to Luke for the first time. Which, yeah. you know, like you said, you haven't really, like, watched these movies multiple times, so it's, it might have just slipped past your <laughs> yeah, I, past your mind, which is fine. But in the in the actual Clone War movie, it, the, the clones weren't clones of people, right? Like, the clones were just well, those robots, right? Well, the clones were the clones of, of Jango Fett, right? Yeah, I, I guess. But they were all, like, clo- a clone of the same person. I find it preposterous that you could clone a Jedi and he would still be, like, strong with the Force. Like, that is just <laughs> preposterous to me. Like, and I know, I mean, at the time, there were no midichlorians or whatever, but, like, I just... No, we, we don't talk about midichlorians on this podcast, Oh, is, is it, oh I'm sorry. That's <laughs> a taboo subject. That, you're going to beat that out? <laughs> 
But it's just preposterous to me that um, not only can you have like these mystical wizards in the future, but also you can clone them and have all of their wizard power. Like that, I have a hard. I don't know why in this fiction this is what I'm getting hung up on. <laughs> There's much yeah, more ridiculous like, things. But if, if this is the case, why are there not just infinite clones of the why Jedi? Did not, why did Darth Vader just not clone himself a thousand times? And right. Just like, like you know what I'm saying? Like it. Yeah, it you know what's cooler than a, than a million Darth Vaders? A billion Darth a Vaders. A billion Darth Vaders, exactly right. Uh, but yeah, like, just <laughs> just throws it out there that, <laughs> hey, here's a clone. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty dumb. Um, this is this is actually, we don't get to this in this book, um, but uh, we're, we're going to talk about this at the end of the episode. Uh, but this is, this is where uh, the Luke comes from. Oh, and I, yeah, this I, series I is where that, Luke yeah. comes from, <laughs> uh, which which is uh, it is obviously also this is foreshadowed here uh, by uh, we meet Jorus Sabauth uh, with two U's in Jorus, who is a clone of Joris Sabauth with one uh, U in Joris. Okay, so I would be like Jeremy if I had an evil clone. Yeah, you would be Jeremy okay. or Jeremy. Yeah, I don't Maybe. like that. At, I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So, uh, the, the, we we clones are now in play. So we have to sure. assume that everyone that we meet is a clone. Um, and then this next stuff with Han and with Akbar and uh, Fela is what I'm going to say. <laughs> Borsk Felia. Borsk Felia. Uh, he is, okay. He, he is a boffin. Um, yeah, sure. He's um, he's one of the many boffins that did not die. All of this is just super boring. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a bunch of like political infighting, more or less. Yeah, and not and not uh, good political uh, uh, <laughs> infighting. What is a boffin? You you just said that like I should know what it is, and I have no oh, idea uh, what a boffin is. <laughs> um, the, the the there's a line in Return of the Jedi: uh, "Many boffins died to bring us these plans uh, for the second Death Star." Oh, okay. Oh, look at that! Um, That's what they look like. Okay, cool. Yeah, That's yeah. You look up a boffin. Yeah, they're they're like furry guys. Yeah. Um, um, I don't think they've actually been in any of the movies. No, this looks like a Photoshop that he's standing in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, but they're, yeah, they're basically like dark dog boys. Basically, sure. they're more or less just like bipedal dog boys. But I, I want to kind of skip past all of this. They they dispatched Luke and Leia and um, uh, Han Solo and, Han. and Chewbacca, and Chewie. like everybody. To go, <laughs> the whole like, gang. The whole gang's a, back together. Yeah, the whole gang's back together. We got them back together, guys. Um, do you remember Dark Souls One? The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they go to this planet. Who I'm guess you're going to make me pronounce, right? Yep, you got to pronounce all of them, Jeremy. Uh, I'm going to go Bimasari. Yeah, sounds right. Okay, uh, but they're go- they're here to like negotiate with this planet and get them on this on the on the side of the New Republic, and it instantly goes wrong. Like the chief just, negotiator just immediately. Yeah. Number one, they get separated, which, like, they even talk about it was being dumb that they get separated. They're like, yep. we probably shouldn't do this, and then go through with it anyway. Uh, and then, like, these these Nogri, Nogri, Nohiri, whatever, I can't yeah, pronounce anything. Nogri uh, is usually what I say. Attack them, and um, there's this one scene where Luke is in, like, the Jedi History Museum or whatever, and uh, he's getting, like, attacked on all sides by these Nohiri, and... He uses he lights up his lightsaber and then he uses the and then he, he just fucking throws, throws it, it and then it just like he uses the force to like make it swing around like a like a boomerang and like cut all these dudes in half which I, <laughs> well like as 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 I wrote in the notes here he does jedi shit to escape yeah he does a bunch of jedi shit Brian <laughs> 
one of, one of the nice things about being a Jedi is that you have a really easy way to get out of things. And yeah, it's by doing you Jedi can just shit. do whatever you want to. Uh, it's... I can imagine if I was a kid and I was really into Luke Skywalker, like, like throwing my fist up during this scene, right? Like, this yeah, it was, it, it was dope as hell when I was when I was ten years old for sure. Rereading it, are you are you still on the dope as hell, or is it kind of ridiculous to you? It's kind of ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> I still like it. Like, I still like this book. I yeah. when it comes down to it, I still really liked reading this book again, but. I definitely noticed a lot more. Like I, 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 I can really recognize how stupid some of it is in a way that I could that I probably couldn't when I was ten years old. I think it's I think it's important when you're if you're going to be covering something in depth that you can find it ridiculous and then also still really really enjoy it. Like it's not it doesn't have to right. be black and white. And some of the stuff, like I said earlier, like I, I did enjoy just, but man, like Luke doing all this Jedi shit is like you can see you can see the author just desperately wanting to be the next screenwriter for like the next episode, right? Like he's desperately yeah. trying to get get hired. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um. And the interesting thing here is these dudes that show up are not trying to kill them. They're very actively trying right. to capture. So Yeah, they've got they've got these like web shooters more or less that yep. uh, spray out this like this liquid web that immediately turns hard as soon as it comes out of the <laughs> out of the spray, Spider-Man. which is pretty stupid. It's just, pretty Spider Man. Just just a bunch of spiders men, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um the interesting thing that this results in is Han wants Leia to have some more personal security. So he's like, why don't we go ahead and get her a lightsaber? Because Yeah, why don't we just go ahead and have Luke start training her more directly again? Is because it, they talk well, they talk about how uh you know Luke had been kind of training her, but mm-hmm. of course he never was really fully trained as a Jedi, and so he's kind of just like winging it when yeah. he's training when he's training Leia. Um, is Leia implied so, to have the Force in the movies yes. as well? Okay, yeah, I she. I don't remember any of that, but uh, I know. She, I, th- I think I remember she was kind of implied to, but they never like confirmed it. Like it was just like, oh yeah, she's also she's Luke's brother. She's Luke's sister, so she obviously is, has the Force or whatever. Right, she's she's Luke's sister, and she's the son of, or the daughter of Anakin Skywalker. So yeah, of course she has the Force, right? Um, but yeah, like specifically, like there's the moment in Empire when Luke is hanging below Cloud City and calling out to Leia through the Force. And she can feel it. And that is generally implied to be a Jedi-specific thing. Like, only other people who are in tune with the Force can can sense that stuff. Okay. Interesting. But so anybody, yeah, that's more or less... But anybody can use a lightsaber, right? Like, it takes a Jedi to yeah, make a lightsaber, yeah. but anybody can use it afterwards. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, you, you could... Yeah, you could just pick up a lightsaber and use it. You might be bad with it, and you probably are in danger of hurting yourself with it, with it or killing yourself, but... You can use it. Look, I'm in danger of hurting myself pretty much walking down the hallway. <laughs> so picking up a lightsaber is going to be like, if someone actually handed me a lightsaber and was like, oh, hey, here's your own very personal lightsaber, I'd be like, you can just have it back. Nothing good is going to come with this. Like I would turn yeah, it on know, once and go, wow, and then like go cut a tree down and then hand it back and be like, you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't let me have this. Yeah. It's funny because one of, uh, one of the guys that I work with and I were just talking recently about how... Uh, how cool lightsabers are because I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big lightsaber dork like I think that's like maybe the coolest thing that Lucas invented for Star Wars mm-hmm. um, even though like he didn't really invent it laser swords have been around forever um, but you know we were talking about how like basically like what we would pay to have a real working lightsaber and I was like I would just like give someone my next year's paychecks for a lightsaber <laughs> just without thinking about it I'd be like all right cool here here's here's a year of salary thanks for this sweet ass lightsaber. I, oh man, I just, I mean, it, they're cool. They're very cool, I guess. I just, 
I don't know, man. Like, especially like knowing that, um, and I don't know if this is a spoiler or whatever, but like knowing that, uh, they're like powered up by like these crystals or whatever. Like the more information I know about Jedi's, the, the, the less cool they sound to me. <laughs> Jedi's about lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, sure. This next chapter, uh, moving into is just like a, a lot of like back and forth intrigue Thrawn being like, I don't know, twisting his mustache while kind of halfway <laughs> revealing plans. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of like really dumb, like political intrigue in this book that I, I don't know. I'm surprised that like I just like glossed over that as a kid, mm-hmm. or that I found it interesting, because a lot of it is really really stupid. And it just it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like it feels like it's just right. a filler. Like it doesn't like all of the stuff with uh, yeah. This the, whole chapter with with the the debate over uh, Han leaving Bimisari and the Inner Council's debate and uh, the the discussion with Peleon and Thrawn just like none of that is important like why is this even in the book and like especially because in, at the New Republic like this government that they're trying to set up like they they want Leia to be a specific type of person they want her to be a diplomatic envoy to all of these like other systems and planets and species but like she literally just does whatever the hell she wants to anyway like I don't even know why yeah, I'm trying to tell her to do anything and they also just like kind of like force her into this thing like she's like She's like, well, no, I want to take, I want to take a step back, and they're like, no, you're doing this. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I, I just didn't. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like any of this. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, this whole say. section was really worthless yeah, and yeah. Uh, basically, basically no point uh, in this in this chapter or really the next chapter. Like this next chapter, like more or less, could have just been like one line. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of it could be. The, the interesting thing with the next chapter is that um, when they're using Joris to in these, and when the Empire, when Thrawn specifically is using Joris in these like hit and fade battles, right? Because I had never realized that, um, and they they talk about this in the first chapter as well, I believe that like having a Jedi or having a dark Jedi be able to relay instant communications and tell people how to do things with their you know Jedi mind tricks or whatever. Uh, it can be extraordinarily helpful in battle, which yeah, if I, if I remember he's right, more or less just like controlling the yeah, fleet Paleon through his mind. Yeah, does not like this at all because he wants nope. the Empire to rely upon like his own shit. Like he wants his own reflexes and his own his own people to be working the controls here. Right. Yeah, I thought that. So, yeah, I actually so, so thought they, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, they they jump to uh, the, the the Chimera itself uh, and its fleet jumps to um, Bifash. Uh, I think is probably the best way to pronounce that. That is a B-P-F-A-S-S-H, which is maybe the stupidest way that you could ever spell a planet's name. Just um, if you if you take it as the B-P-F is silent, you can just call it Ass Planet, which is what I did throughout this book. <laughs> just Ass. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, more or less, um, the Chimera uh, attacks Bafash, and there are two other uh, systems being attacked at the same time. Uh, and this is all just uh, a... A uh, big ploy for Thrawn to test those uh, battle meditation abilities of Sabaoths that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, um, but and do, go ahead. Uh, I was I was just gonna have you read this really stupid line. Uh, this really really funny and stupid line. Uh, this Han quote down here. Yeah, he's tell- he's saying that <clears throat> the Imperials just pulled a three prong hit and fade on three system in the Slui sector. Some place called Bifash and two unpronounceable ones, which is a, right, because, which is a good, because, yeah, which is a nice, like, yeah. 
rule of yeah, three. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good joke. I actually quite liked that line. It's good. Again, anytime he he actually writes Han Solo pretty well in this. Like he gets that spirit yeah. of kind of the uh, sarcastic adventurer smuggler type, the very practical sarcastic guy down pretty right. well. Um, but yeah, at this point, like they they again they split up, which they probably should never do. And Lucas and they goes, split up for maybe the stupidest reason that they've split up so far. Yeah, because these people that live on Ass Planet don't like Jedi. Which yep, so we just like can't Jedi. go to that planet. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> like this book, and I still like Jedi. <laughs> although, although I'm, I'm, it's getting a lot lower. <laughs> so so yeah so so Luke has also just basically like uh, heard talk of these of this dark Jedi that. Uh, crashed on um, on Dagobah, which was the planet where Yoda lived. Um, so he just decides to go there. So he's like, well, okay, since they don't like me, I'll just go to some other place. And so yeah. he's being like, no, fuck you, I'm a Jedi, I'll do what I want. No, he just I have a cool-ass like, lightsaber and you can't home. do anything to me. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I... <sighs> Again, Dagobah in this just really feels like they, they had a checklist that they were going through. Like, we yeah. had to contrive for Luke to get... It was about this time, too, that I started really taking exception with, like, the mechanics of space travel in the Star Wars universe, which yeah. might be the nerdiest thing that I've ever said in my entire life. <laughs> it, I mean, like, everybody just goes everywhere instantly. Like, nothing... To, like, And this happens over and over again with these... The weird times that... Thrawn will show up somewhere that Han Solo already is, and then Luke is there too. Like it just everybody kind of seems like they have teleportation. Like even like light speed travel across the the galaxy still takes time. You know, like okay. Just, so the, you're you're baiting me into being pretty nerdy here. Um, <laughs> they are not okay. So so they they they've never been like super super uh, strict on like how fast uh, people can get around and stuff, and like the distances between places, but. Uh, hyperspace is beyond light speed. Are you there? You, and you that just out. broke Jeremy, I think. No, no, no. I, I heard you, you just kind of broke up. Oh, okay. Um, hyperspace is beyond light speed. Like that. That is. Uh, so, for example, I think that I think that they say this in the movies, but they definitely say it multiple times in the books that the Millennium Falcon can go 0.6 past light speed, and so that is like 1.6 times light speed, right? Okay. Uh, so, so they can still far. They can fly faster than light, but you're right. Like <laughs> they've never been hard and fast about uh, how how fast uh, you can get around the galaxy, and they they tend to use that for dramatic effects all the sure. time. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone just pops <laughs> up in the same spot. Let's go over there. Okay. Like I just yeah. And I know again, it's like Luke is a wizard. Luke is a is a, is a died in the wolf space wizard i should probably have way more of a problem with his like telekinetic force touching of his unborn niece and nephew than i do with like the time travel or the not time travel the um... <laughs> oh god did they get into time travel in these books uh i don't think so good for them i'm pretty good sure that they don't they never That's quite good. got there yeah. there's good. some there's some pretty weird and terrible stuff later on that hopefully i can have you have you have you joined me for some of those terrible books in the future? I, maybe I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> this may be just a one and done. Me and you were friends. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this might just be one and done for me. Um, so yeah. So, so anyway, let's uh, let's, let's, let's get, get back to yeah, what's going um, on here. They, Luke decides to go to Dagobah, and then um, 
I guess this Wedge guy is like the Rogue Squadron commander from the movies, right? Like a Vagler. Yes, yeah, that's Wedge, so. Wedge Antilles. Yeah. Uh, he was he was in in Red Team in Episode Four, and then became the commander of Rogue Squadron. Yeah, and Wedge is um, number one. Leia is kind of thinking that with the the way these attacks are working, that the Imperials may have a Dark Jedi, and Wedge is like, "Oh, a Dark Jedi? I, I just heard about one. Oh yeah, his, his I, I heard a rumor about that. He's Weird. over on this other planet. Yeah, and then um, again, these gray Nagiri show up. Yeah, just very quickly, just yeah, out of nowhere again. Out of nowhere, the uh, they, they do this over and over throughout the book. They just keep showing up. And the the interesting thing here that I thought is that they went out and found a second Millennium Falcon. <laughs> so like they're this is actually kind of a smart play i thought like they're yeah they, i really like this the nagiri are attacking our crew the millennium falcon sits down and is like hey and the implication there is like chewbacca has landed and like is going to steal him out but of course han solo very quickly realizes like why isn't he using the guns oh wait that's right. a decoy yeah. which is just fantastic yeah and it's really funny like how quickly he figures out that it's a decoy too which, I mean, to be fair, like, the Millennium Falcon is more or less his life, so he should have figured that out. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with him figuring that but out. But it was, it was very funny that it's just, like, instantly. It's just one of those... I feel like everybody, when they figure stuff out in this book, they figure it out, like, right away. Like, there's no, like, debate. It's just like, hey, that's weird. Oh, that's a decoy. Okay, I got it. This is so they like contrive this thing with lightsabers um, to because I guess Leia Leia has a lightsaber at this point, despite it being five minutes ago that they were talking about giving it to her um, to like send up some sort of signal, which clues Chewie into the fact like, oh, hey, I need to go down there and rescue my my boys. Yeah. So so specifically what he does is like Han uses the lightsaber to cut the coolant lines on the YT-1300 that the the decoy one, uh, which uh, sends up a huge plume of white smoke. Which clues, yeah, clues Chewie in to, to come rescue them. And this is the part where uh, they literally say, um, I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, well, and, that's, uh, and that's not even the first one. Like, you're also you're skipping over, sometimes I still amaze myself, oh, which yeah, is yeah. straight up a line that Han says in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I mean, like, a good portion of this dude's dialogue has already been written. It's like <laughs> Timothy was just stealing lines at this point. I just searched the uh, Kindle book, and uh, that that bad feeling about this phrase comes up three times in the entire book, which is <laughs> yeah. less than I thought it was, but probably three times too many. Or yeah, I, I mean, I'll I'll give them, at I'll least give them two, times two times too many. Too I think many. one time yeah. is probably fine, because that's, that's always in yeah. Star Wars, right? And then um, we get this like long chapter about Luke being on Dagobah that doesn't go yeah. anywhere, except that, is, that he finds a transmitter. This is, this is yet another chapter that could have been done in a paragraph. <laughs> I have this issue when we do when I cover supernatural episodes from my other podcast. Yeah, and like where we just are like, this scene shouldn't exist. Why is this show forty five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why can't it be thirty minutes? And this whole thing, and I guess we get some like introspection about things that happened, and Luke's feeling you know insecure about training Leia because he was never officially trained, and he's looking for yeah. guidance and blah 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 blah. All this means, yeah. Is, so he um, he goes to Dagobah to try to find something from some Yoda, guidance. more or less. Yeah. Um, and then he goes into this cave, and I actually have this mark too. Let me see if I can find it. I don't know why. Like it's a, just the, and I guess it's fine. I just highlighted it because it sounds goofy. But on this spot, once he'd fought a nightmare battle with a shadowy, unreal Darth Vader. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, just, I mean that that is a thing that did actually happen in the movie, and so this is a real place that like they they have talked about before. 
I know, but it's just but the, it is it is dumb. You're right, shadowy, <laughs> unreal Darth Vader. Uh, <laughs> and he sees something else, which I, I I did not even pick up on this. I must have been kind of reading too quickly, but I did not pick up that he had a vision about a chick like holding uh, his lightsaber at all. Yeah, so more or less, like what happens is he has another vision. Um, this time, he has a vision of. Uh, when he is on the sail barge, like getting ready to uh, be sent to uh, the 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 Sarlacc pit um, outside of Jabba's palace, um, the, there's the moment where like he springs back up off of the diving board and uh, R two shoots his lightsaber out to him, right? Like that that big like famous like cool like first time you get to see Luke's green lightsaber. It's very exciting. Um, so he has. A vision of that moment, but instead of the lightsaber coming to him when he springs back up, uh, a a shadowy woman on top of the barge pulls the lightsaber to to herself instead, and so he dies. Which would have been a terrible ending to that movie, right? Uh, but maybe maybe better for Mark Hamill's career. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe so. Like that poor dude. I don't know what he's gone through <laughs> being Luke Skywalker, but it's probably not been a lot of fun. Yeah, um, yeah so it's, it's probably not super great. So, uh, so anyway, um, the whole reason Luke even went into this cave is because R2 sensed some sort of electron- electronic signal coming from it. And then identified uh, the signal from a transmitter and said, oh yeah, I, R2 says this, I believe. I think this is from Lando. <laughs> yeah, I think this is something that Lando had once. <laughs> sure. And so Luke's R2. like, okay, well, I guess I'll go visit Lando. Is it weird that throughout this book that he writes R2 as A-R-T-O-O? Because, number one, that takes longer to type than just the letter R and the number two. And, like, the dude's name is actually R2. So I I just found that yeah. really, really bizarre. I don't know. I think, I think it's just kind of like a... It's kind of like a, a weird thing that maybe I'm just used to. That they always... They tend to write out... Um, the droid names as like words rather than just their their numbered or letter insignias mm-hmm. like even like uh, c3po they write out as 3po, 3PO. like yeah, the word 3pio like. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like just like some editorial decisions like i have a problem with like sure yeah <laughs> and th- that that might just be like a style guide thing where like they yeah, yeah, I'm sure like, like the, something the, came the, from the, Lucas that like this Yeah, is Lucas Arts was like or Lu- yeah. Lucas was like okay, you have to write these droid names this way, right? Um, Luke. So Luke decides to go visit uh, Lando because, again, we're working down our checklist. Uh, but, yeah, we got to we got to we got to get Lando in here. But Lando is no longer in Cloud City or whatever we called Cloud City back in the day. Um, yeah, he's no no longer on Bespin. So now he is on Naklon. Naklon, Nklon, who knows? Nklon, Nklon, I'm not, Nklon I'm sounds not good. Saying Nklon ever again. So luckily, <laughs> luckily we're one and done. Like this is a short visit. And yeah, this is more or less it. Like but for this, this planet, is, this is super cool. <laughs> like, yeah, I, like, I really like this. Like it's a really cool idea. So the, I guess the concept here is like they're so close to a sun that uh, you, normal ships can't fly in on one side of the sun, uh, on the bright side of the sun, without frying all of their external sensors and weapons. So right. they've created these huge shield ships, which is kind of hard to say. Shield ships, shield and, uh, ship. They've and like she they sells, have to use sells. these to escort Han Solo and then um, Leia and then also Luke because he shows up at exactly the same time, despite the <laughs> yep. odds of that being infinitesimal. <laughs> uh, but this is all very cool. Like the. I can totally see this done in that like Star Wars uh, like style, like where you see the planet with the really small 
cupid huge ship next to the big planet yeah slowly yeah. like i could see this in my mind's eye perfectly i thought this was yeah, really provocative. I, yeah this this part was really well written i thought and then like when they actually get onto the planet and see the uh see the city as well like that is such a cool like concept like i just love that idea that uh basically what's happening is that lando has basically turned a tur- turned a bunch of ATATs. Uh, and a bunch of other ships and stuff into a moving city, more or less. Mm-hmm. And so the the whole city just like kind of slowly moves moves along the surface of this planet, uh, so that it, that it can stay on the uh, on the dark side of the planet. Which is just super neat. Like this whole yeah, thing is just very very it's so cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the the concept here is 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 just really interesting. Um, yeah. So, then, uh, of course, then, they show us something cool. So, Starter Starter shows up. Yep. Because can't ever just look at something cool for a while. Got <laughs> to fight. Uh, the, the big thing that happens here is that uh, as Luke is trying to distract the Imperial forces, um, he hears a voice in his head, which we know to be, you know, Joris or Joros. Jerus. Jerus. Um, but he doesn't know who it is. And then he just, like, kind of passes out for half an hour. Because... Yep. Jedi's are dumb. <laughs> yep, pretty stupid. <laughs> so, uh, so um, there's basically just like some battle battle meditation going on. The uh, you find out that um, the Imperials show up here because they wanted to steal some mole miners, uh, which is a thing that Lando uses to mine from this planet. Um, Something that so, is foreshadowed to be you know heavily important. That I'll be. I'll be honest, I completely forgot about it while reading this book. <laughs> so when these show up in like chapter 30, I was like, oh, what now? Oh, oh, What's yeah. a mole miner? <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely don't mention them again until they show up at the very end of the book. <laughs> so, so yeah, so they steal these mole miners and then uh, uh, they just, they, there's this big stupid debate um, about how Saboth still wants the Jedi and he's really mad that he doesn't have them. Um, so they decide to drop Saboth off on another planet, uh, where they've like basically left rumors that he is on this planet to try to get Luke to go there. Uh, so they're going to drop Saboth off, and then privately Thrawn tells Peleon that uh, they're going to jump back and ambush Luke on his way. Uh, for this uh, this hilarious quote, uh, I mean to disabuse our great and glorious Jedi Master of his growing belief that he's indispensable to us. Sure. Which is which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, like I, yeah. I I just like how like just how pretentious Thrawn is at all times. I, yeah, yeah. I just some of the some of the language they, I mean, I, and I, it, it it works right. Like they, he's yeah, it works for Dark him. Jedi clone master to, or I guess I said those words in the wrong order, but like, and he doesn't he wants him to be a, a kept pet, not somebody that's yeah. going to be on equal footing as him. So it works just like. I, just the language that comes out of this dude's mouth, like I just, yeah. <laughs> and something something we didn't mention earlier, and like we could mention it at any time about Thrawn, is that it is so funny how like everything that he says, it is always he says it with like he says it coolly or he says it glacially. He raises an <laughs> eyebrow glacially. <laughs> you think he's just like body, the most body calm and collected dude. Is. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, so that's that's more or less what happens there. Uh, Peleon convinces Thrawn that they should at least try to keep Luke alive because he's he's more or less just scared of Sabaoth is kind of what it comes down to. And man, um, 
now we get to this like plan that the Republic has to like do some swip swapping back and forth and like they're going to set up 3PO with Leia's voice to to fool because the Empire is listening and oh like it's all of this like shuffling that I just I just don't care about. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you that did, happens. You did in skip here, over but... one really stupid thing that I think we do need to talk about, which is um, the the very first point in this chapter that I have. Uh, how Lando is just like really really mad that these mole miners are have been stolen, and so the chapter starts off with Lando just super pissed that these mole miners got stolen, but then he just gets over it and just decides to sleaze over Leia instead. Yeah, I can't tell if Lando is specifically being a sleaze over Leia because it pisses Han Solo off and he's actually attracted to Han Solo in his angry moments, or <laughs> if he just actually kind of wants to bone down with Leia, which, like, at the time, like, Leia's a good-looking lady. I can I can respect that. And, right. I mean, I have literally never seen Lando Cardassian. Cardassian? I don't know. Cal- Calrissian? It. It's definitely not Kardashian, though. Lando Kardashian is a totally different guy. <laughs> Um, I don't, I've never seen Lando with another human person or another human like woman. So like yeah. that, that just could be his one reaction to human ladies. Who knows? Yeah. That's, that's just his, the only human lady. And I mean that he, he is definitely like, that is definitely like a character trait of his, that he is like a super ladies man, like in the books. So yeah. but it's, just, it's really funny here because like, like Han is supposed to be like one of his best friends and they've been married for Han and Leia have been married for a little while at this point. And so, like, maybe at some point you're just like, all right, maybe I'm not going to sleaze over my best friend's wife anymore. Dude, I have literally, like, one of my best friends in the world ended up marrying a chick that I dated. And that's how she, that's how she got introduced to our group. And have never been more respectful of that woman ever since. <laughs> like, would never, ever, ever say anything like right. that. Like, Lando's being a super bad friend right now. Yeah, because, like, what are you going to do? Be like, hey, hey, lady, remember when we fucked before you got married to my friend? Yeah, yeah, that's like, cool. no, you're not going to do no, that. No, no. Chick has, like, four kids now. I'm not going to say that to her. <laughs> wouldn't, even if she didn't have kids, I wouldn't say it. Let's get off this subject, actually. Let's, yeah, let's move on. Yeah, to let's, yeah let's, let's move on. Let's go back to talking about this, this stupid plan that they have, uh, where basically, like, both Luke, or both, both Han and Lando are going to are gonna fly out in their respective ships. Um, and then basically they're going to trade ships. So, uh, Leia and Chewie are going to fly on their ship, uh, on, on, Han- on Lando's ship rather, uh, to go to Kashyyyk, which is the Wookiee homeworld. And Han and Lando are going to split off in the Falcon, uh, with the voice printed, uh, 3PO, where they, they basically just like give, uh, C3PO Leia's voice, which is really stupid. Uh, so that they can use her, uh, the Leia as a decoy. Yeah, I don't. I, I skimmed all of this. Like, I, I know it's important, but all it is is just moving characters around so they can get to some plot that it's, they've already written. Like, this is just you say you know it's important, but it's not that yeah. important. Uh, but I mean, it's, <laughs> this, it's this chapter does end up, with yeah. some more sleazing. Uh, with this this really good line. Yeah, the perfect decoy for the perfect lady. Like, ease <laughs> up, dog. Stay in your lane. Right. What are you doing? Um, I'm skimming through your notes to try to remember because at this point the book is like just it's just moving so slow. Like I don't understand yeah. like any really any of the stuff that's happening, and I I, I don't necessarily know that I want to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, um, they they pull off the switcheroo, uh, and then uh, Thrawn sees like some 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 security footage of the Lady Luck and the Millennium Falcon leaving Nklon, Nklon, uh, and he just immediately deduces exactly what they did. Like, 
Yeah. And, and you can you can you can see in my notes here, Jeremy, where I wrote including the three the voice print on three PO lol and that they're going to Kashyyyk Lamau. <laughs> like he just instantly gets it. Even just like everything. I feel like uh Paleon or whatever the captain's name is, is is like the audience stand in for this because even he's like how did you Work me through your pro- show your work, right. Thrawn. Show your work. Like you're just you're just writing the answer fifty five, and it's right. But I don't believe that you know how you got there. And I don't know. Thrawn figures it out or whatever. Um, yeah, it is really stupid. Yeah, I really hated that so much. Um. So yeah. So uh, then, uh, as as Peleon is leaving the command center, uh, the holographic art uh, displays uh, dis- disappear. And Peleon notices that there's one real piece of art uh, in the in the room, and uh, Thrawn he he basically questions Thrawn on it being real, and Thrawn says about it, uh, "It was my one failure out on the fringes, the one time when understanding a race's art gave me no insight at all into its psyche." Uh, and so Peleon and Thrawn have a little conversation about that, and then Thrawn just casually drops that he wound up destroying that world, and that's that. That never comes up again. I was gonna say this is never this. I know it doesn't get brought up in the book, but I just assumed like maybe a somebody was from this world and wants revenge on Thrawn at some point. Like none, none of this ever comes back up. Nope, that's that. Is it? Is it? It's definitely not the Nogiri homeworld, right? That we learned. Uh, it later. might be. I mean, I guess that could technically that could be, but I don't think so. Because he I talks about how he, how he wound up destroying how, the world. Yeah, because it was. But I just assumed like I didn't. I don't know. I don't know. Anytime yeah. I say the word Nogiri, by the way, there's a local sushi place named Nogiri, and it's just making me really <laughs> fucking hungry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so yeah, then we, we then we jump to Luke uh, flying through hyperspace. Uh, this time he is flying through hyperspace in Jedi hibernation, so implication being that he's been there for a while, like he's been in hyperspace for a while. Because he's sleeping, more or less, right? Yeah, which... I mean, if they get everywhere instantly, why does he need... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't, don't ask questions they, that you don't want to know the details to. They they get to everywhere and exactly the, the point that the plot needs them to be there. Exactly. Um, I, I do like this, though. Like, cause they, yeah, this they, is really they, cool. Like they, They've got him in a tractor beam, and he like <clears throat> uses his... like. Um, I mean, he basically he's in his X-wing like he is in the movies, but then he like yeah. uses the hyperspace drives to like kind of do this like fake out maneuver on the tractor beam, which gets him out of the tractor beam, which is super cool. Like that feels very Star Trekky and very cool. Yeah, it's um, a, it's a really like it's a it's a cool maneuver. Like it's like something that like you could picture like happening in the movie and it looking exactly. really cool. <clears throat> and um, it's the unfortunate part of this is it's going to end up breaking his X-wing to some degree. Uh, and then it sets up this trend for the rest of the book where they, this author is just really into these spaceships, man. Like he like loves talking about the parts and pieces. Like we're going to hear about <laughs> hyperspace drives and repairing stuff and cracked holes and power supply. Like it's just all of this stuff like just rolls over me, man. I, I'm sure like this is like bread and butter for a hardcore star Wars fan, especially if you're like a young kid who, with an interest in like engineering, but Man, right now, like I could give a shit how an X-wing works. Don't care. Right, and he, it's he definitely does. Magic. Like, he he definitely spends a lot of time talking about like the different parts of the of the X-wing hyperdrive and like how he can potentially fix it. <laughs> um, but this is uh this is something that we talked about earlier. Uh, we flash back to we jump back to the Star Destroyer after Luke escapes. Um, where Thrawn is very angry that that Luke had managed to slip the grasp. 
Uh, and so I have this little passage cut out from, from the book. If you, if you want to read that, or if not, I can. It doesn't matter to me. <clears throat> Do you know the difference between an error and a mistake, Ensign? Anyone can make an error, but that error doesn't become a mistake until you refuse to correct it. He raised a finger and almost lazily pointed. Palian never even saw the Ruka move. Peterson certainly never had time to scream. So yeah, so more or less he just like has Rook kill Peterson for making a mistake. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but you know, that's he, he. This is like the first time that he shows like real emotion in the book. That is, he's not just like a the cool, calm, glacial dude that he is normally. Yeah, but he's still pretty lazy, right? <laughs> like in the, yeah. in the text, he's, he lazily points. Um, yeah, he, he, yeah. I mean, he's still like he's still like the perfect man, but he is not. You know, he's he's angry for once. Uh, so he, but he also at the, at the same time he figures out that Luke damaged his hyperdrive. He just knows that Luke would have damaged his hyperdrive because, because for some everything. reason he knows yeah, a thing he knows about how everything works with everything. Yeah. <clears throat> and so he's like, well, Luke won't be far. So we're just going to go find him basically. Um, but he doesn't want to do it himself. So he posts a 30,000 credit bounty for Luke's capture to get all of the, uh, all the bounty hunters in the area to look for him. Uh, so that's, that's where we, that's where we run into Luke again. Now he's uh, his his ship comes back out of hyperdrive or out of hyperspace uh, shortly after, and he finds out that it his hyperdrive cracked, and this is the thing that we talked about. Um, oh boy, and all of this is super boring. Yeah, and it's it is several <laughs> several pages of just talking about Luke trying different things to try to try to fix the the X wing. Um, he more or less just gives up and he, he like has an idea to like wind some wire or something. So he's like, well, I can't do that. So R2, you're going to do that and I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah. And R2 having basically like multiple arms for everything. I, I know it gets brought up in the movies where he can just basically do anything, but like this yeah. book really stretches my limit of what R2 <laughs> can pull off and winding a wire around. I, I don't know, man. Like, is he still like in space? Like, cause in, doesn't his head stick out or under the X-wing at some point? Like, uh, yes, it does. <laughs> I don't under, I don't get this at all. Like, unlike the shield ship that we were just on, could not picture this happening in a movie at all. Which is not like yeah, no, this it, it would not be in a movie. It would like, be so yeah. boring if this was a movie. Uh, it was bad enough in a book. Meanwhile, Leia has gone to the Wookiee homeworld. Yeah, <laughs> which is, I guess, cool. It reminded me of the time that I saw um, the Phantom Menace in the theaters, like when that was like literally the night it did come out. And yeah, there's that scene when they're talking in the Senate, and you get to see like a little congregation of Wookies in the road, like yeah. in the background. And I got really like probably overly excited about the Wookies. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Wookies are great. Wookies, Wookies are, are like the coolest aliens. These are these are super cool guys. Uh, yeah. one has a speech impediment which lets him speak English, which is a, a neat little thing. Uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and say his name with your speech impediment? No, <laughs> I'll go. Um, Rao Ratine is what I'm gonna. Go yeah, with sure. Yeah, but I mean, they they more or less just call him Raura uh, throughout the book. I mean, which you know, similar to like you call che- Chewbacca Chewie. Yeah, exactly. All of, like, uh, pretty much every Wookiee has like a shortened nickname that they use for them. And uh, Leia's a little freaked out about everything because she hasn't really studied up much on the Wookiee homeworld. They're kind of, uh, after being, you know, slaves to the Empire, they're kind of reticent to invite anybody back to their planet. And um, Yeah. But this city is really, really cool. It seems to be built, like, in the tops of these trees. And yeah, the, the so basically, like, of, the whole Wookiee homeworld is these giant trees. Yeah. And, and the branches of the trees grow together. To perform like to make like a platform essentially that they can build their city on, and they can like cut these and kind of put them together, and it all becomes like 
one organism. And Leia even like even thinks to, to herself, like, well, that makes all of these one organism. I wonder if they right. understand what that implies. And I was like, I yeah. don't know, dude, but let's read about that and not the rest of this <laughs> yep. goddamn book. <laughs> but, then, but then instead they talk about something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I like all this. I like all this Wookiee stuff. Like this is this is pretty good. Like there's some yeah. good moments with Chewie uh, wrestling with his bud that Leia thinks is an attack, but it's not. And then like it's just general like let's take a tour of the Wookiee homeworld because they didn't have time to do it in the movies. And this is this is all real good. I like this. Yeah, and then like they they, they do the real cool thing where Leia uh, doesn't understand like like she she pieces together that they. That they had to have claws because they climbed, but she pieces it together as Raura like flexes his cool claws out and shows them to <laughs> yeah. her, which which I could see that in a movie looking pretty cool. Um, and then she sees uh, Nogiri. Yeah, she sees side. one in a window, like they're they're like walking to where they're going to stay, and it sets uh, she off just like sees this, one in a window. Yeah, and it sets off like this little manhunt or Nogiri hunt, if you will. Uh, yeah, and it's this this is like. I don't know. I could have stood like some more talk about like all this did was make me want to read a book about Wookiees, which I never yeah. would have thought I'd say in my life, but like good <laughs> job. Timothy's on. Um, but I like all of the other stuff that happens in Wookieeville. I could, I could care about less. Yeah. That's like the whole, the whole thing about being on Kashyyyk would have been way more interesting if Leia wasn't there. Yep. Uh, which there is like a, there's a really cool like uh, series of chapters in another book uh, where Han goes to uh, Kashyyyk for the first time, um, and it's 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 a lot a lot of that kind of stuff that is very enjoyable because Wookiees are great. Uh, meanwhile, actually, just it would be more interesting if Leia wasn't there. I would argue that this book would be more interesting if Luke, Leia, and Han Solo weren't in it. <laughs> like if they didn't have that, I recognize you can't do that, but like man. Luke is just, I don't, I don't, you may have turned me off of Star Wars completely by making me read this, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> you may have. <laughs> I'm um, not sure that's true. No, it's probably not. Uh, Rogue One is pretty good. Yeah. I guess the, is this great. is the point we flip back over to Luke, still kind of yep. drifting in space. So we're back dr- to Luke. Drifting space. Yeah. Um, he's still drifting in space and uh, he's in his Jedi hibernation, but R2 wakes him up because there's another ship in the area. Yeah, um, and we get to be our third faction. Um, yeah, and he gets taken aboard after some like back and forth about you know transport fees, and we can't afford to take your ship. We're too full, and Luke kind of senses that something is up because he can barely sense anything on this space freighter. Uh, not realizing, obviously, that we have our um, our plot devices, our little gray. Yeah, they, plot they, they don't have. They, they have some Yasalamiri aboard the ship, which Luke doesn't even know what a Yasalamiri is at this it, point. It, yeah. But he he gets, will learn very soon. He gets taken aboard the ship, and like, there's some cool conversation between Luke and Card, which is you know interesting. And like, there's some really tense back and forth. And I, I kind of like this, like as a as a guy that's played like adventure games that are set in space. Like when you meet somebody out in the wilds of space, and you don't know if you can trust them not or not. It's always like a cool time. Yeah, like, the, the back and forth it's, there is really neat. Yeah, there's there's a really cool like just like kind of sort of like a standoff without weapons. Like, neither of them are going to attack each other, but they are basically, they're really sizing each other up. And that's when he sees, um, or that's, I think that's when he either sees or senses Mara Jade. And you he have he this senses Mara Jade. She's, like, on the, she's on the bridge of the ship. Yeah. And, you know, never before, not even from the Emperor, had he felt such a black and bitter hatred. So, so yeah, so, so Luke figures out that Mara Jade really hates him, but he's, he does has no idea why. 
I have this I have this problem in fantasy writing specifically, and this plays into it where like the the scale always has to be higher than what's come previously. <laughs> yep. This this line would work for me just as well if it said never if it just said he hadn't felt this much black and bitter hatred since the emperor. Like if yeah. it had just been on par with, I would have been like, oh shit, this is probably something right. from the. But since it but was it has more to be than more than yeah. the emperor, and it's a it's a small detail out of out of the book, but like it's just a it's a problem with fiction writing in general is it always has to scale up so quickly yeah it's it's a problem it's a problem with yeah like with fiction writing with with movies with sequels in general like everything has to be bigger and better than than the previous um the next few scenes that we get with luke are all about this interaction between him and mara jade and man i i realized that they're setting her up as like kind of a bad guy and they you know there's going to be some conflict played out here but her like just like automatic kind of hatred of him especially in the face of luke like i don't know who you are so i'm just going to be polite and she gets even madder at that like all of this yeah. stuff feels so cliche to me <laughs> like either she, either if she felt this way she should just kill him or she should like fall into it with whatever card wants and not have this weird back and forth about it yeah it, it is just constant like every time that we we get a moment with mara jade she's debating whether or not she should listen to what card has going on or just kill luke yeah. For like the rest of the book. Um do 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 Yeah, I, and this is this scene is fine. Luke wakes up on the home world where all of these people are from. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're on murder. Again, and yeah. This this is all this is all fine. Luke being freaked out that he doesn't have his force abilities is a nice touch considering that he womb raped his sister earlier than in the game <laughs> earlier in the book. So I am totally okay with him losing the ability to force touch anybody's womb again. So yeah, so he he more or less just doesn't have the force powers his force powers for the rest of the book yeah. at this point. Which is, I mean, I complain about this, and I keep mentioning the X Men because I'm kind of tied into the X Men. But like any time. Yeah. Like the most boring Wolverine movie is the one where they like take away his power, so he's just a dude for like an hour and a half. And yeah, like the thing that you like about Luke Skywalker is that he's a cool space wizard. Like, exactly. Like not if that he's just away, like a whiny guy. Like he's honestly, just a whiny like, guy, and nobody likes him. I don't necessarily like that about Luke being a space wizard. It just makes me like tolerate him. So without that, <laughs> right, like, sure. Specifically, like, now he's just some jerk <laughs> without a space wizard power. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this stuff is, could, is interesting. But, yeah, this whole conversation, like, Card, he has a, he, Luke has a conversation with Card uh, about like why the Empire wants Luke, and uh, Card tells uh, Luke like that the Asalamirier what's making him like not being able to sense things through the Force. So he more or less is resigned to... to not having his Force powers at that point. Dude, like the next four or five chapters are like a comedy of errors. Like it's like a <laughs> it's. I, I can't even think of a movie where like just everybody keeps showing up at the wrong time to Christmas dinner or something. Like it's you know what I'm saying? Where like everybody yeah, just is, keeps piling on. Like, that is like perfect. That is exactly <laughs> what is happening here. You're right. Just oh I can't oh that's that's our nephew who's mad at our you know the second cousin so we have to hide the second cousin in the closet and then oh crap the uncle is here that hates the nephew so now the nephew has to go over here and like it's oh man there's so much back and forth in the next few chapters <laughs> and there's not like actually a lot of plot moving stuff that happens no. um like you know I, I guess and i guess we can walk through it step by step but like luke yeah we can is, we can we can gloss over most of this really but man, like it's like the, it's, the, the big things that we need to talk about. So this is this is the second time that we talk to Winter in this book. Um, who she basically just calls Han and talks to the fake Leia. Um, 
to oh, yeah. uh, I, I, about like what's going on, and then she ta- she asks to talk to Han specifically uh, because she she has figured out that that is not actually Leia, which you know I, I that that makes a sense to me. Like I, I I would understand that someone who works with Leia every day would know when it's not actually Leia talking to them. I literally just read this chapter this morning, and I like I barely remember any of this stuff happening. <laughs> I had already forgotten about this Sabat <laughs> game, them going like. Han Solo and uh, Lando are on a quest to like get this code or get somebody that can splice into New Republic code so that they can communicate to the New Republic without the New Republic knowing, basically, to set like, right. lay it, so they can send layup. But like none of that stuff actually matters at all, and it ends no. up not mattering in the book. So like all <laughs> of this stuff, all it is is just a like a really lengthy way to get Han Solo and Lando on the base where card is so that they can be there while Luke shows up. That's it. Yeah. More or less. That is exactly <laughs> what happens. Like it's, and they go through all like this whole thing where like Han is confused as accused of like playing this fake card and like all this back and forth. I don't think any of this stuff works. Does it, is this like really cool? Like alien stuff? Cause some of the alien stuff mm-hmm. I get kind of lost in with star Wars. No, I don't, I don't think this is particularly cool. I do think that they have, um, there's there's a a trilogy a of books uh, the the Han Solo trilogy by A. C. Crispin, uh, that is like all about like Han Solo's youth. That is way more interesting, like about the Sabak stuff. Mm-hmm. Like she did a really good job of writing like Sabak interestingly and like writing the, the the tenseness of that. You know, basically just writing like a poker game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the, yeah, uh, none of none of this is interesting here. I don't think. Hopefully, that new Han Solo movie will be. I will I hope that movie is good. Man, they could have got a better casting on Lando, so I'm all in. That is very true. Uh, so, yeah, at, so... Yeah, at the end so of this, Han ends uh, up, they're, uh, yeah, their contact ahead. agrees to take him to Card. So, they're, yeah. they're being escorted to Card's HQ, where, again, like, Luke is already at. Yep. So, uh, then, uh, the Millennium Falcon is landing on uh, on Mirker, uh, and so Card decides that uh, they need to move Luke um, so that Han and Lando don't accidentally stumble across him. Yep. So they move they move Luke into a storage shed, which is a pretty shitty place to put him. Like they just had him in like basically a barracks before. Yeah. And they're just like, Well, you're just gonna be in a storage shed for a while. I mean it really just sounds like a like a container, like a like a shipping pod, except yeah. less comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he uh th- they put him in this storage shed and he immediately figures out a way to get out of there. Yeah, this is and like and also they put him by uh, R two, which is yeah. They the, put him in this in in this the shed right next to the shed that R that R two is in. Probably a mistake, uh, but he uses and I had to be honest with you, totally forgotten that he had a cybernetic hand. Like it doesn't, <laughs> it's not, it's not really brought up a lot in the in the book. I think it, it it's not really brought up much in the movies except when it's very specifically brought up. So like right, he, but basically like Luke like ejects an energizer and was like, I can use this to hack the door. Yep, <laughs> he's pulls one of the batteries out of his hand and is like, oh, I'll just use this to, to hack the door open. It's and very, does. it's a very adventure game of like find the battery in your hand and like drag <laughs> the battery to the door and oh the door is unlocked you have successfully hacked yeah yeah that's fine. Uh, this is I mean and this is fine I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of dogging on it a little bit but like it's fine it is what it oh is. no it's fine yeah, yeah. like I, I I think it's perfectly fine to make fun of some of this stuff because it is pretty dumb and then uh, um, Han and Lando sit down to dinner with Card and like they're all hanging out as smugglers and yeah and they're just like hanging out they're getting ready to eat their dinner and then the Imperials show up and then Thrawn shows up like it's <laughs> literally like. <laughs> I just, I can't, like, the fact it's that, so like, stupid. everybody shows up on this planet at the same fucking time, it's just mind Yeah, yeah just too. one after the other. Like, well, Luke's here, so now Han, Han and Lando are here. Oh, well, let's bring Thrawn in, too. 
you would think with the complexity of like faster than light hyperspeed drive you know ship teleportation stuff that like you know a, a, like someone would show up at like after dinner like right like yeah, just an think, hour but, two hours later but nope everything is happening at the same time yeah so so card decides that while the imperials are on Merkur, that he's going to hide han and lando uh, because that's what he does he just hides people when when new people show up i mean he is a smuggler so yeah so he uh he, he basically just helps helps han and lando hide um and Mara Jade is very upset that she that he is hiding them rather than just giving them over to the empire the, to the empire. Yeah, um, we still don't know what her deal is, but her deal is definitely with the New Republic as a whole. Yeah, but it, it's with the New Republic, and it's also just with like Luke. She hates Luke, so she's going to hate his friends too, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah. He, so so Luke manages just to break open his shed door while all this is going on. He stills a skip ray. Yeah, that's just the <laughs> the name of the ship. Is it's a skip ray. Sure. It's a it's a it's a, it's a skip ray blast boat, Jeremy. A skip ray blast boat. That was uh that was the name of my shop teacher in twelfth grade. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't Big McLarge Huge? <laughs> it might as well have been. Um But I I thought we were gonna get like some cool extended like chase sequence here, but instead like Luke immediately crashes this chip and because she yep. was following him so close, she crashes with him. She crashes too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I actually enjoy this interplay between Thrawn and Card at this point because Thrawn is like, hey, we spotted that ship and they all crashed, which was something that Card didn't know. Like, but don't worry, we'll help you investigate. And Card yeah, is like, it's, basically. This is very, up. like, very mustache twirly from Thrawn. Yeah, yeah. And uh, fortunately, Lando and Han have been assigned this dude named Gint, and whose only purpose is to uh, basically just, you know fill in the plot holes it's basically oh yeah this is what's happening over here with with card and this is what's happening like he's just he's just exposition the the character it's basically yeah more or less he's he's just he's just there to fawn over han solo yeah and give exposition i again and i'm i'm kind of breezing through this and like i i like it like it's fine it is what it is it's just it's so far-fetched and unbelievable like oh there's a lot of of space wizards yeah like it's there's just a lot of like coincidences right right so, uh, Thrawn decides to send some Imperials out, you know, to, to some storm, stormtroopers out to to look for uh, the crash. And uh, as they're on their way, Luke wakes up uh, from from the crash and decides that he's going to help Mara Jade out of his, out of her ship. Which, yeah. from the at, at this point, like it's it's it makes sense. Like he he does like have like a little bit of an internal debate with with himself where he. Uh, decides that he needs to put her life ahead of her grudge for him over him essentially. Um, so he he rescues Marjade and she immediately just like is on kill Luke mode again. But she doesn't actually kill Luke because she doesn't kill. She Luke. can't because he's he's plot man. Uh, right. He's got he's got that big, he's got that plot armor. Um, <laughs> But like, but he she she kind of wants to, and then of course the Imperials start showing up, and she's like, okay, we got a jet, so they, they right, and she actually helps Luke escape, which is very interesting. Yeah, um, and at this point we go back to the base, and the Imperials have left, and Han yeah, and just, Lando are, they, are back talking to Card, and Card just says like, and they say like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna walk over here for a while, and Card is just like, sure, <laughs> go ahead, no yeah, go ahead, that's fine. That's so weird. And so, so they uh, they decide to poke around the storage sheds because Gint had told them that there was a prisoner in the storage sheds. Um, so they they start to piece together uh, who the prisoner was, 
Um, and then Card confronts them while they're poking poking around. And at just one point during this process, I want Han to look at the camera and go, I can't believe Luke is here. <laughs> right? <laughs> or just right. maybe not even say it, but just give me the Jim Halpert from the office. Like, yeah, kinda, just like, like why, why is he here? <laughs> why, why is he everywhere at all times? <laughs> and, and like, I mean, even to the point where like Card has this line, what do you want me to say? The Luke Skywalker was a prisoner here? All right. Consider it said. Like, thanks, Card. That's fine. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Card. Um, but, you know, Thrawn has not finished with this yet. So they no. they, they, they realize something weird is going on. And, and Thrawn uh, commits, like, a bunch of resources in the form of, like, a bunch of stormtroopers and some, like, they, they like, there's a chariot or something, like, which I guess is some type of ship that I could probably recognize if I could see it. But I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like even Pelion at this one is like, man, that seems a little weird, but I've, I guess I've trusted this dude so far and he's been pretty awesome. So I'm just going to go with it. Uh, but his, his idea is that there's only one city that these people could go to for shelter. So he's going to camp up there and let, let these people and let Luke and Mara come to him. Yeah. Which, which makes sense. Like that is actually yeah, like smart good. tactically. Uh, and then like after this, Mara and Luke journey through the woods and Mara. Yeah. We just like, get like a, a, a cool journey, a cool, yeah, cool adventure like of Luke and Mara in the woods. Borgskers, right? Like just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a, there's like some, basically some team building moments where some Borgskers <laughs> attack and they kill exactly. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best. All right. <laughs> this could definitely be an 80s montage scene. Yeah. I mean, that's more or less what it is, right? Like, a Vornsker attacks and Mara shoots it. Is this the um, point where Mara uh, actually is using the lightsaber to, like, clear up some stuff? And uh, Luke is like, oh, you've used a lightsaber before. Like, still yeah. not putting anything together. Yeah. Yeah, because she... He, he, like, basically, like, wants her to give it back. And, like, she's like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Because why would I... Why would I give you a weapon when I want to kill you? Um... And so he tells her to be careful with it when she uses it, because she uses the lightsaber to to make a sled for R2. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Not to um, clear a path. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, he, and yeah, <clears throat> and he's like, oh, like, why do you want to, what you've used the lightsaber for? And then she tells him that she's wanted to kill Luke uh, for years for destroying her life. Um, and I think it's actually revealed a little bit later, but we can just talk about it now, that she was the Emperor's hand. Um, she was basically like, one of his secret agents uh, that went out and uh, the emperor had actually sent her to kill him uh, at Jabba's palace when he went to rescue Han. Uh, But she failed because Jabba wouldn't let her come on the barge. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Fucking Jabba. Right. Uh, So, so that, you know, that, that, and that, that Uh, kind of teaches Luke like that, that tells Luke that like his, his vision in the dark side cave was about, her. um it was about mara yeah yeah and she like talks very derogatorily about uh lord vader and like he didn't know everything and then she's she's specifically upset because after the rebels win and kills the emperor like she doesn't have an identity she wasn't on record with the empire of doing anything so the empire right. doesn't know who she is so she's basically lost and she does that thing that like these stories like to do with women in these situations of like i had to do what i had to do to get by <laughs> yeah and they never like come out and say explicitly that she like did anything like bad it's just like or i just whatever, had to do but, what i had to do to get bad yeah get by so. <laughs> but now it's done for wookie time wookie time and some of the most r- absolute ridiculous shit i have ever seen written down in a book <laughs> this, yeah this is so stupid jeremy <laughs> <laughs> it was all i could do not to text you when i was reading this this morning but like so leia let, let's walk through this step by step leia wakes up yeah. 
realizes there's somebody in her uh, whatever in her room. Uh, yeah. Very quickly realizes it's a it's a nogiri. She kills it with a lightsaber, and another one like catches her. Just then, immediately, uh, like immediately, there are just two of them. So she kills one and immediately is grabbed by the second one. And the, the but doesn't kill her. Realize like nope. something weird is happening. It, it uh, smells her, is what it does. That's what it is. Yeah, it smells her. <laughs> uh, and about that time, uh, Chewie breaks in and is going to go kill this dude. And Leia, at the last minute, says, "No, don't kill it." And then Chewie knocks it out. Yeah. Um, her other protectors come up and they find out that the Nagiri has set a fire kind of down the way a little bit in order to pull resources there so that they could kill Leia. Um, and then there's like a bunch of... a bunch of <laughs> You said it's dope shit with their lightsaber. <laughs> None of this next section I think I thought was dope at all. I thought it was kind of dope. I, sure. She ties a rope to a lightsaber and like throws it at somebody. Like she literally did this without a rope five to 15 <laughs> chapters ago. Yeah, but hers, hers is cooler because it's like, it, like it, she uses it as like a, a pendulum basically, or not a pendulum, a... Uh, like a yo-yo? Uh, yeah, more, yeah, like a yo-yo sort of. <laughs> it's cool, <laughs> I think. Is it? I thought it was pretty cool. I like lightsabers, Jeremy. I can tell. I can tell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they go through this process and they finally get, after killing this thing with her yo-yo saber, uh, she confronts this Nogiri who introduces itself as, uh, God, I hate you so much, Kaba, <laughs> Kaba Rock. Kaba Rock? Sure. Yeah, sure. Kaba yeah, Rock. That sounds right. Um, and it calls her the Malarash, which... I actually made a. <laughs> I made. A, I'll have to send you a screenshot. My note on here is just literally just a series of ha 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 ha. ha. <laughs> yeah, um, that sounds about right. The yeah, folds I, around I, the Nagiri's nostrils seem to flatten. You are the Lady Vader, the Malharash, the Lady <laughs> the, Vader, the, the Malariush. I think oh maybe God. the way. Lady Vader. Uh, That's so. <laughs> and dumb. then he says. And then he says, you are the Malariush, the daughter and heir of the Lord Darth Vader, he who was our master. That literally means Lady Daddy. That's what that yep. means, is Lady Daddy. That is so stupid. And I guess I guess the conceit here is that, and this is where we get the history of these things, Homeworld, that we talked about later. Like, yeah. Darth Vader saved this planet from destruction between uh, after the war between the rebels and the Empire. The Nogiri are faithful to Lord Vader because he saved them, and it's kind of like not faithful to um, really anything else. But right. she convinces him like, hey, Vader did you right. I'll do you right. You need to be loyal to me. Let's go meet in a month on the above Indoor, and I'll come to your planet. Which- <laughs> yeah, they just like, th- th- this is just like an Indoor name check. Like, there's no reason for her to pick Indoor specifically other than just like, oh, hey, remember that? You remember that planet that was in the in the movie? Yeah, and also, like, in a month, and at this point, I think I looked down and I was like, there's only, like, 40 pages left in this book. (laughs) When are we going to have time to do all of this? But this is before I realized that this book does not have an end. It just stops in the middle, so. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Luckily, Leia, at that point, pretty much checks out of the story. We'll we'll see her later, but, like. She's pretty much done until the end of the book at this point. Yeah. Um, This is where we go back to Luke and Mara in the forest, and I think this is where we get all of the back and forth with them sending messages that were encoded, and they they talk a lot about the encryption types and yada, 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 yada. Yeah, that's where all that comes from. And this is where we hear her backstory, right? Like, this is where Mara goes into full detail. And I think... um, I think Luke is shown to have a little bit of sympathy for her, of like, hey, I could I could probably see why she's mad at me, right? Yeah, he kind of, he kind of understands where she's coming from, and he also like she she is also like like kind of begrudgingly gaining some respect for him over the course of this and this forest adventure, where like 
she is starting to see him as a person and not just someone that she wants to kill. Sure. Which, you know, I guess it makes a sense. Like you, you spend time with a person, you're gonna you're gonna understand them and maybe respect them more than you would have otherwise. Yeah, um, and, I mean and there's been times here where like Luke has I think saved her life against a, another Vornsker and like, yeah, had yeah, opportunity that's like a specific to, thing. Yeah, yeah, had to do things and, and didn't take them. And it's it's been generally yeah. cool throughout. So Yeah. So she's um, like, Oh, maybe he's a little more chill than I thought, basically. Chapter chapter um, twenty seven. Do, do you want do you want me to to spoil a thing since you don't I mean I know you don't really care about Star Wars spoilers Star Wars Legends I mean, expanded universe spoilers so much um, don't think about me think about your listeners man what, what yeah do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean this I think this is a pretty well known thing that uh, Marta Jade and Luke eventually get married oh oh uh, this is setting up a romance okay yep yep so this okay. is yeah that's fine that's totally cool I'm okay with yeah. That. Um, cause they do come out of this fairly friendly with one another. Uh, right. I mean, they're not like best friends or anything, but they like respect each other. This, this next chapter is basically just pure setup. Um, yep. for honest testing the cloaking shield <laughs> it is, and it I, is a very short chapter. I think this chapter is like three pages or something. <laughs> and there's really no reason for this to be a separate chapter. Um, I kind of want to go back to the beginning to actually confirm that or not. <laughs> the, uh, but what's like this? This whole thing is just used to get Wedge, who you might know from those movies, into uh, Sluivan, which is where like everything's going to come to a head because everybody has to be everywhere when stuff happens. Yeah. Which I mean, to be to be fair, like Wedge is the leader of the New Republic's like a number one squadron, right? So it kind of makes a sense. But like, why is he specifically escorting just this random frigate? To, yeah, to yeah, sleep on. <laughs> yeah. And there's a little back and forth about Akbar and Fela or whatever. Yeah, it's basically just some more political arguing that is super yeah. super irrelevant. Um so going back to what like the actual action that's happening, uh Mara and Luke devise this plan <laughs> that I find <laughs> so the Empire is, is looking for two people and possibly a droid and so what comes out of the forest is two people and possibly a droid, but don't they like they like switch, like they? This, this yeah, so is dumb. I guess why did why did the stormtroopers not just instantly clock these three? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so so Card had basically lied to Thrawn about how uh, the ship the ships were chasing each other and crashed because uh, one of the people that, that worked for him basically decided to steal some stuff. And so he sent his associate Jade after them. He never used the word Mara, uh, and they specifically they specifically uh, name check this because it's like, oh, Card never used the word Mara, so I can pass myself off as Jade, is what Luke decides. And this is, I think, I, I think actually Card was the one that came up with this plan. Um, yeah, because but it's been really it's, it's really funny because it's like, oh, well, they won't know that you're you're supposed to be a girl if your name is just Jade, but if your name is Mara, you're definitely a girl. Because names mean anything in this universe, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> where, where someone is a main character is named Kabarok. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely gendered, right? <laughs> so, um, so, so, yeah, so they finally get they they get basically taken in, and Luke is claiming to be a bounty hunter and has found this four card. Uh, the stormtroopers take him in, cuff him, take off their weapons, and uh, put him with Han Solo, who has also been taken prisoner somehow, which is not explained at all. Uh, it, like it is explained actually. Um, it's I that mean, uh, Card it? had Card had sent his his uh, gang, a few of his guys, uh, with Han 
uh, as a fake prisoner uh, to basically try to ambush the stormtroopers here and, and, and rescue Luke and Mara. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> like, I mean, at this point, it's just like coincidence on top of coincidence on top yep. of coincidence. Like everybody's plans magically working with everybody else's. Uh, and uh, like including this next thing where Luke like figures out what's going on and is like, oh well, I'm gonna trip R2D2 in the middle of all these stormtroopers so that I can whisper a message into his into his robot ears so that he can send that message to C3PO. Where he he basically tells C three PO like, hey, I know you guys are planning this ambush. You need to hold it off until I get under this archway. <laughs> yeah, and, and his whole plan is to because the 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 stormtroopers knew about the ambush. Like they figured out like this was part yeah. of ambush territory. Um, so yeah, Luke holds him off and then cuts down like these pillars to crash him on top of the stormtroopers. And like there's this big big fight and people are using lightsabers. And I guess it's cool. I did not understand this interaction between um, Aves and Lando, like because there's some back and forth about like there's some old shit going on, like where they had like maybe gotten betrayed in the past, and Lando wants him to hold off, and Aves doesn't. Like there's this thing, and it doesn't go anywhere unless Aves is a major character in the second or third of these books, but uh, which I'm pretty sure he's not. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that it is all just like more more storm of coincidences happening at the same time. <laughs> So after all of this, and this is the best part to it, uh, Card just lets everybody go. Yep. Like after all, like, this, all right, you guys, you guys can go. You're good. After all <laughs> this back and forth about like, what am I going to do? Where can I get the most profit? He's just like, screw it, I'm out, I'm leaving. And yeah, he's realized but, that I he's mean, burned himself with the yeah. with the Empire, so he has to also yeah. leave that world. Right, because for some reason, him being on that world is is tied to the Empire not liking him. And. Out of all of the weird coincidences and everything, uh, Card asked Han, like, hey, maybe you can send me a big cargo <laughs> ship. And Han decides, well, yeah, I can definitely take time out of my day to, to help you out with that. I'll go to sleep yeah, and see if there's any over there. My friend is injured, and I need to get, like, get my wife back. But, yeah, I can go find you a ship. Yeah, I'll go find you a ride. That's no problem. <laughs> I've got plenty of time. I mean, just, like... <laughs> Ugh, um... Luke feeling the force come back is actually kind of interesting to me. Like that was yeah, kind of a where it's thing. like he like feels like this rush of awareness basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was which cool, is kind of cool. Yeah, actually, while I don't like the space wizard stuff gets kind of old. Like the concept of the force can be kind of interesting. Like I yeah. feel like there there's like any kind of magic system with some rules around it. I find pretty cool. So yeah, there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff later on in the in the the expanded universe about like the concept of the force that I really like. So um, it was chapter 31 that I realized, because I looked down at my Kindle. I'm going to pull up the page real quick. Um, I looked down at my Kindle and realized there was only, yeah, 25 pages left in chapter 31. (laughs) And this is where I started getting a sneaking suspicion that this stuff wasn't going to wrap up very easily. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Uh, Which, to be fair, I did tell you that this was the first book in a trilogy when you read it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've read books in trilogies before that had endings, though. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that you knew that it was a trilogy. It, it, so it feels gonna, like some stuff isn't going to be wrapped up. Without reading the next two books, um, I have to imagine that like this is uh, like somebody wrote 1,500 pages worth of story and was like, oh yeah, we can totally get three books out of that. Chop, chop, chop. <laughs> and it just yeah, I think that's more or less what happened. Um, <laughs> So at this point, uh, we're, we're getting right into Sliman, uh, where, you know, Wedge is, where Han Solo is, and Lando and um, 
Luke have showed up where Thrawn is about to attack and things just go nuts, right? Yep. There's just a big space battle and I really like this space battle. Like it kind of seems like, you know, this, this is the kind of thing that like, I, I love the space battles in star Wars. Like my favorite part of, uh, revenge of the Sith is the big space battle, uh, over the surface of Coruscant at the very beginning of the movie. And like the, the space battle in return of the Jedi is very good. And so like, this is just a really cool, like just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of ships flying around and doing, doing cool stuff. And there's there's a lot of different things happening too because we've got we've got X wings versus Tie fighters which is kind of a normal thing but then we yeah, also like have the these uh, mole miners uh, which are drilling into the holes of these ships for unknown reasons and like so during this this space battle not only are people having a space battle they're also trying to figure out what's going on yeah so if you remember back from you know the first fifth of the book uh, the mole miners that the Empire stole hey they're back sure yeah let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and there's also like this weird trooper, stormtrooper that they call a space trooper, which I think yeah. like is is like I don't know. Like, and at the end of this, um, I mean, spoiler alert: the rebels win, or like the New Republic kind of fend off this 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 attack. But at the end of it, like, there's six of these space troopers apparently just flying around in space, just blowing shit up, <laughs> just fucking shit up. It's yeah. great. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, I don't know why they spent the time to tell us about this. Yeah, I don't either, man. Like, I didn't understand why space troopers were, but it does not matter. I mean, because, like, the one that they that they have is, like, all right, like, well, now we see that they have these, so if they, they, they have to, like, take care of the space troopers after they blow up the mole miners, right? Yeah, yeah. But, like, it was just, like, okay, so we we fended off the Imperial attack, so now we've just got to fight these, these six, six space dudes. troopers. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, I do like the 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 concept of this of, of this attack though. So what yeah, like Thrawn the is, idea. Is, yeah, what Thrawn is doing is um, teleporting into the system, and I'm going to use the word teleporting because that's what he's doing. He was uh, hyperspace jumping, Jeremy. Sending out these mole miners in order to um, basically take over the control of these ships using like the and there's some there's some foreshadowing with like slave control circuits and things like that that was mentioned back when we met Lando for the first time. Uh, so, but his idea is to break into these ships, steal them, not destroy them, like they they had originally thought. Which is which is kind of cool. Like he's trying to build his empire up, and this is a good way to do that. Yeah, I really like this. Like, I think this is a really cool plan, and it was really well executed. Except that uh, we have heroes with plot with plot uh, Jedi powers. So yeah, plot armor. <laughs> plot armor. Yeah. No matter what the villains do, if the heroes have plot armor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, and I, I also like this at the end too because when the plan starts failing, uh, Pelerion, his name keeps getting worse and worse for me. I'm sorry. Uh, the captain is kind of thinking that Thrawn is going to go all in and just get angry and like send all of his forces in. And yeah. Thrawn has this line like, "You were expecting perhaps that in order an all-out attack that I would seek to cover our defeat in a frenzy of false and futile heroics." And uh, and yeah, Pelion is like all into this. He's like, yeah, he's like the oh, leader, a cool guy, yeah." yeah. Well, and also, like, it's got to be just, like, really obnoxious when you're following Lord Vader around. Like, as we see in The Force Awakens, like, a Jedi that has kind of some, like, you know, some some edginess to him, like, some temper problems is kind of a scary fucking thing. So, like, you yeah. don't really want to mess around with that. Paleon has to be just in love with this dude. Like, oh, finally, like, a dude just that does tactics. No weird <laughs> Jedi shit. <laughs> yeah, and he, he definitely does love Thrawn, like, a lot. And that's pretty much it. 
like yeah there's there's one last thing um <laughs> one more <laughs> this thing is how they end the book. Says. <laughs> um there's there's a there's a final chapter for some reason there's a chapter 32 with this it's um, not a final chapter it's just the chapter they decided to cut this first yeah, book off. yeah it's not- right <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a final chapter in this book um where leia calls han from coruscant she's gotten back to coruscant safe and sound um to tell han that akbar has been arrested on charges of treason and book's over to be continued yep and it literally <laughs> says to be continued at the end I told my wife that um, about the ending of this because, again, she had picked up one to see if she would be interested in it and uh, ended up not being. But uh, And then we were talking about later on, I think I was telling her, like, hey, we're going to start this podcast at such and such time. It'll take about this long. And she goes, well, you should just wait to about halfway through and just say to be continued and disconnect. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> that would have been really funny. 100% should have done that. But, um, yep. So I, I guess – this this just ends with Akbar being arrested for treason, and I know we're going yep. to, have to deal with some like New Republic shit. But like overall, I don't know, man. Like I just, I I, I get why it has to, why it had to exist in 1991, right? Yeah, I, I mean like, we were the, we were in a Star Wars desert at that point, right? Yeah, like Lucas had not gotten like I know he had had those three movies written, the prequels or whatever, but I know like he had not like at that point like, I don't I don't know what was going on, but he wasn't making those movies. Like there wasn't yeah. really anything Star Wars out there, so putting new content out for people that were really hungry for that was probably very profitable and probably felt like a pretty good thing to do for fans. Uh, I just. It is so over the top and ridiculous, and I think I'm going to go back. I don't think it's the fan service. I think it really is feels like fan fiction at this point. And I, <laughs> no offense to Timothy Zahn, like I can't imagine what I would write if someone said, "Hey, write a Star Wars movie, like or a Star Wars book." Like five sec five seconds in, I would be like, "Oh, Luke and Leia died, and now there's Jeremy the Jedi." <laughs> like that's what I would do. But I'm sure Lucas is not going to let him do that. So it's it's right. an impossible task if you have to deal with these existing characters. But man, it sure brought down most of the book, even even though it had some some kind of good ideas. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I definitely see where you're coming from, and I like as as I'm sure people can tell, like from uh, this podcast, like I definitely have some more issues with it than I would have had as a youth. Mm-hmm. But. Like I, I, I still love it. I still, I still really like the Star Wars expanded universe, and I'm going to keep reading these books. Um, but yeah, man, like there, there's some real serious issues. Yeah, it has some issues. Like even if you take out what has got to be the creepiest part of this book, which happens in <laughs> chapter two with the 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 Force womb stuff, like that is horrifying. And then, like again. Like so many of the things that this book kind of cruxes itself on, like the the lizard plot devices that don't have that affect Jedi powers, like that's yeah. just it's just it's so. I mean, it's just it's such a it's such a writer's mechanic of like how do I equalize like Wolverine's healing factor, like how do I get around you know Thor's hammer, like that kind of thing. Like it's it's very it feels very mechanical. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel very natural at all. Even in right. even in the even in the use of it, it feels very unnatural. Where they just have a bunch around. Like at one point. When Thrawn goes to the planet to meet Dark Jedi Jerus or whatever, he's got like a tube holster of them around. <laughs> he's got, yeah, like, he's a got like a backpack. Of, he's of wearing lizards. a backpack with some, with some lizards yeah, on them. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, yeah, it's it's real dumb, wanna, but it's great. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to talk too bad about it because I know, <laughs> I know you like it. I'm sure other people out there like it. But it's like a, it's a guy who's read a lot of fantasy, as a guy who's watched a lot of fantasy movies, and is kind of into this stuff, like dealing with these characters just really threw me off yeah and i'm you know I'm, I'm really glad that you you agreed to do this with me even if you didn't like the book as much as maybe i'd hoped you would which i didn't 
I honestly I didn't expect you to love this book or anything, mm-hmm. um, or to even like I I never expected you to to come out of this and go oh man I've really got to read more Star Wars but I know that you're always down for dumb shit and I knew that you would be down for this so you're my first choice. If I literally had nothing else to read right now or nothing else to do like if I was like. And, and I might I might end up buying book two and three just to have on my Kindle in case I get trapped on a desert island somewhere and I can be like, huh, I can finally <laughs> figure out what's happening to Thrawn. Or like I'm on a vacation and like it's raining at the beach or something, right? Like something like that happens. I might yeah. just I might finish book two and three, but it's definitely I'm not driven to at all. Yeah. Well hey Jeremy, um I'm going to probably invite you back onto this podcast to read book two and book three at some point. <laughs> okay, fine. So that that can be your motivation. <laughs> Just give me a couple of months break, all right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I do really want to thank you for being on this podcast and helping me make my my very own hosted podcast for the first time. Thank you for inviting me, man. This is this yeah, is, absolutely. This has been fun because um, even if it was not necessarily great material, it's always fun to chat. So this, yeah, this has absolutely. been a good time. Thank you for having me. So uh, this is um, this is the expanded universe podcast. Um, I don't really have an intro, really, or an, an outro, I guess. Uh, written down for this or anything but uh you can find this podcast on twitter at luke cast that's luke with eight <laughs> u's uh you can you can email the podcast at luke cast at gmail.com also with eight u's um you can find me on twitter at wade brian r and uh where can we where can we find you on twitter jeremy uh, you can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. Uh, if you like me, I do a, a number of other podcasts, which if you go to that Twitter account and just look through my feed, you'll, you'll see because I retweet stuff from them all the time. Yeah, and I highly recommend all of Jeremy's other podcasts. They're all very good. Yeah. If you like this show, like we do a very similar show. Me and Gary Butterfield do a show very similar to called yeah, Gary Days Butterfield is great. About the X-Men cartoon series. And there's another show that we do that covers terrible the terrible TV show Supernatural uh, that me and... A couple of other guys do called Monster of the Week. Like those two are probably the ones that you want to be interested in. Yeah, I would. I would definitely recommend everybody check out all of your stuff. Thanks, man. And that will be the end of the podcast. May the force be with you. I guess. May the force be with you, Jeremy. <laughs>